All right, everybody, welcome back to Joel Radio. That's right. Joel Radio has returned with what I call the biggest show of the year, and I think it's the biggest show of the year in terms of how many people listen. I think it's the biggest show, and sometimes in length, it's the longest show of the year, so get ready for that. It's Movie Mania 2021. Looking back at the year of 2020 in the movies, which I know it seems ridiculous in April to be talking about the movies of 2020, but I'll explain why we're doing that now. Yes. And it's actually had nothing to do with why we're doing it now. I would have loved to have done it on December 31st of 2020, but the way Hollywood works, it doesn't work that way, where they make it easy to review them then. But I am joined in uh, my discussion of Movie Mania and the best movies of the year by Jason Filan Mares. Hey, everybody. Did I get your name right? I don't know. Mars Mares. Mars Mares. If you really want to be all sexy and Antonio Banderas about it, it's like, Mares. Mares. Oh, it, my goodness. You don't have to be all crazy yeah. like that. No. Well, if you want a job in America, don't do that. That's a joke. <laughs> That's a joke. I love that joke. That's a joke. I love that joke. Why stuff. are you not Jason FM? That's a good, like, Jason rock and FM. roll. Yeah. That's rock like... and roll stage name. <laughs> People some... remember that. There's a lot of potential there. I may have to seriously consider your, that. That's your podcast, Jason FM. Oh, there you go. Done. At Joel Radio, Jason FM. Check done. There you go. Off the list. And just, you know, <laughs> 60-40 is fine for me. Oh, okay. That works yeah, fine. It's a good split that's for your me. Negoti- I, that were, yeah, I mean, you'll, you'll take 40, right? Did we just negotiate? Yeah, yeah, yeah you agreed. You shook your head. You I agreed. Did. It's I, all recorded. That's and, a gentleman's agreement, yeah, I guess. It's been recorded. It's, it's Look, it's right there. It's been recorded. Uh, so Jason's uh, joining us today. You did the show uh, last year. I think it was your first time on the show, right? Did the show last yeah. year. We had no idea what was about to hit. We're like, well, that's a wrap. Yeah, life is good. Let's walk yeah, out the we door. Were, we were, it was a couple weeks before it hit. I, yeah. It might have been the last show I did before pandemic. I'd have to go back and look. It was like February. And uh, yeah, well, you know, here's the... Okay, so here's the deal why we're doing this now. Yeah. Uh, the Oscars decided that they would push back the eligibility to the end of February. Okay. So basically any movie that played in a the theater before the end of February qualified to be Oscar eligible. Okay. And then they pushed back the Oscar, you know, the movies would come up by the end of February. The nominations would come out at the end of March. Okay. And then the Oscar ceremony is the end of April. That's right. So here so we are. So we're still yeah. another two and a half weeks, which in a way will benefit the audience in that if they want to see any of these yeah. that we talk about, almost all of them are available at home in one form or another. And we'll mention, we'll try to mention that. Sure. Um, so that in that way, it's good. But like, I, sometimes we do the show and it's like the week for the Oscars. Yeah. And now we're like still two <laughs> over two and a half weeks till the Oscars. So it's crazy. No, it's, it is, but it's great. And also, um, you know, I use my, this as an opportunity to see some, as many of these movies as I could in the mm-hmm. theater. I know not everybody wants to do yeah, that right yeah. now, but it's a great way to support your local theater and go out there and see movies if you can. Yeah. But obviously, it's fun to watch it at home as well. It's the I, beauty of the time we live in. I will tell you, I think I saw... It's funny because I do the Oscar prep, but I'm trying to think. I know after we did Movie Mania last year, did I even see a movie in the theater after Movie Mania? Right. I think I, I remember the last time I went to the theater was for the Impractical Jokers movie. That oh, was God. at the end of February. Okay. It might have been right before, it was either before or after we did Movie Mania. 
Uh, and then the pandemic, you know, and this is guys visiting my brother in Georgia. Okay. It was a rainy day and me, me and Layla needed something to do. Right. So we went and saw, which we like in Practical Jokers too. The movie wasn't great, but yeah. Um, and I, and I saw one of the ones on my worst list, which I'll get to <laughs> in the theater in 2020. But after that, that was it. So I haven't gone in over a year. So you still haven't gone. Haven't gone. Okay. Now I'm vaccinated. Yeah. I, I found that out uh, this week that I was officially, I did the test. Oh, that's right. And they told me, uh, because I qualify now for the general, you know, non-test vaccine, that I've had the real vaccine. I've had the real AstraZeneca vaccine. The doctor told me that, so I do not need to get another vaccine. So I'm excited by that. That's that great. I remember we were talking yeah. about that. Uh, uh, yeah, Good so, yeah, I feel great, and uh, I hope to get back to the theater soon. Glad to hear it, But Absolutely. they need to start putting a little more stuff out. I mean, I know you go, and yeah. it's like, here's the Oscar contenders, sure. and then we're showing Caddyshack. Yeah. And then we're, you know... <laughs> yeah, I think I, I think we saw Beverly Hills Cop, okay. Raiders of the Lost Ark. That's I mean, cool. It's, it's fun, Yeah, but yeah, we'd like to see some new content out, too. Yeah, so that was, uh, that was I think, the first time you did the show. Yeah. And it was also, and uh, this is, uh, well, I'll just do this now, because we, we have another chair. Yeah. And another mic. Yes. And I told you Layla may be joining us if she gets here in time. That would be outstanding. But that chair, I thought, because, you know, last year we did Move a Mania. It was the last time I saw this man. So yes. if you, would you do me the honors it and put it my, in his chair? It would be my honor. Corey Hall. We kept the chair open for you, buddy. I'm yeah. going to start crying. God rest Hold his soul. Second. There he is. But right that's exactly where he sat yeah. last year. Yeah. Uh, and uh, that was the last time I set eyes on Corey Hall. Well, Because the pandemic hit, I never saw him again after that. We talked all the time. and Yeah. It's an honor to put that there. Yeah. And uh, God rest his soul. And that was my only interaction with him. Yeah. yeah. And I, I liked him a lot. We bumped heads a little bit, but in the most. Yeah. 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 Uh, that's fine. That's what this is. And right. That's what we have fun with. And I, I really look forward to doing it again. So, you know, God bless him yeah. and God bless his family. Yeah. It was uh, it was his last uh, in-studio appearance on the show. Yeah. Was even though that was in February and not April, but it right. was still symbolically a year ago. This is yeah. a show that, you know, me and, you know, him being a, he, a professional movie critic. Absolutely. You know, it, it actually added to the show, you know, uh, uh, having him and just, you know, being my friend. And I miss him. I miss these lists. Absolutely. I, when I see these movies, I wonder what he would have thought of some of them, you know. Too, yeah, so. no, absolutely. Uh, he's I'm sure he's watching us. And I, I dare not mention in excess. <laughs> you went off. Bolt on that of one. lightning at me. Yeah, but that's, it's all good, man. It's but, all good. Uh, so we'll, we have a little chair for Corey, a little mic for Corey. I love that. And a picture that that is a card that. uh his wife sent me after his memorial service. Beautiful. So it's a little picture of Corey, and it's uh, that's that's class. Joe. We'll keep that here. Absolutely. Just to think about it. I'm probably gonna. We might have to take it down if we start. No, it's all good. But anyway, it's let's all... get into movie mania yeah. with that uh, spirit with Corey here with us right again. We got 15 movies. We'll count them down from 15. Uh, I, the uh, just for you listening, if somebody. Uh, steals the other person's movie meaning it's higher on their list they will mention that and talk about it and but eventually we'll get up to number one and uh here and again we're gonna also other things we're gonna do we're gonna do the worst movies of the year oh yeah even though we didn't see i like i was telling i don't see a lot of bad ones yeah, you try not to but sometimes they um, end up that way and we've got our runners up movies that didn't quite make the list Layla's Sleepy Awards will be coming up, whether Layla's here or not, movies she fell asleep in. I've got a list of maybe 25 good documentaries yeah. that aren't even on my top 15. Wow. So I, I'm a documentary fan, so we got tons of those. But anyway, do you want to go first? You're the guest. I'll let you go first. That sounds great. Hit yeah. us with a so, number 15, Chase. N- at number 15, I had Christopher Nolan's Tenet. Tenet! Yes. Uh, 
extremely ambitious movie. I think Nolan is really our purveyor of ambitious highbrow cinema at this yeah. point, but I also think that it works against him in some way. Mm-hmm. I've heard the word pretentious used before, <laughs> right. but I don't know if that's just a word that people who can't keep up would use. Yeah. This was the first movie of his that actually felt like a bit of a chore to watch. The dialogue was hard to hear, <laughs> which you've had problems with that before. But I, I love the um, I love the premise, mm-hmm. and I also I feel good knowing that even if I don't get it, I know that he does. Yeah. So I know that what I'm watching probably makes sense. But it was a challenging <laughs> movie, and sometimes that's that's cool. Yeah, I uh, saw. I, I was telling you this was the last movie I saw before we sat down to do this. Cause, right. Yeah, I didn't go to the theater to see it, and it had kind of come out on video, and I didn't like. And, and I think part of it was that when Layla found out it was two and a half hours, she goes, "I'm not watching this Ooh. thing." Yeah. And I go, okay, well, we'll... F-. So anyway, my take on Tenet was that, and I, I believe I heard this, maybe you know this more than me, but that Christopher Nolan was sort of angling to make a James Bond movie. Yeah. And I kind of feel like this was that. I agree. In a lot of ways. Uh, because it really has that structure. It does. Of, you know, he's the he's the CIA guy. Mm-hmm. He has his assistant. He has the, the gadget person that he goes to. Yep. Uh, he the, the villain who talks too much and... Could have killed him 50,000 right. times, <laughs> Tells but instead plans. decided yeah. <laughs> to explain the world to him. <laughs> Kenneth Branagh, who, oh, he whatever. Was, he, he was nasty. Yeah, I, I, but I kind of look at Kenneth Branagh and I don't think of a Russian you know, mobster. Um, True. So he, I, can, he can do it, but he, yeah. he was, you know, he was fine. Yeah. Uh, I thought John David Washington was fantastic. Love him. And visually, it's, it's unbelievable. And it that's really what is. you know about Christopher Nolan. I mean, yeah. I can't remember if I had Dunkirk as my number one movie of that oh. year. I mean, that was beautiful. Nice. I think the thing that uh, a knock against Chris Nolan, too, is that his movies are confusing. Yeah. Even Dunkirk, with its whole land, sea, and air thing, got confusing. It did. When it's like, this is a war movie. Like, just make it. You know, and right. he, I think eventually he brings you back in. He does. I think Tenet, if there's a flaw in Tenet, it doesn't bring you back in. Mm-hmm. The last 30 some minutes of Tenet, it's just all visual, yeah. and you're kind of like, I don't even know what these characters are attempting to do with this. Right. It looks cool what they're doing, uh, it sounds cool. Although, I, here's the thing about not hearing the dialogue. You know, I watched it here. I have a subwoofer right over there to my sure. left. That subwoofer, the two characters talking to each other, and the subwoofer is like firing off, boom, 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 right, boom, you boom, can't boom. Hear the and you're just like, well, why? Is, this is a dialogue scene. Right. Why are you even? It's like he's trying to make it more intense just every second His of it. Sound mixing has always been sort of perplexing. Yeah, and that's great yeah. in, on one level, but on another level, it's like. Give us a break. I, I know. know yeah. uh, John David Washington really landed on my map when he did a, is a Black... Black Klansman. Uh, Black Klansman. Spike Lee movie. Yeah. yeah, and that was such a good movie. And he was yeah. so funny and also serious in it. So uh, great casting, fun movie, interesting concept. I love, like, leading up to it, all the interviews, Christopher Nolan was like, this isn't about time travel. You know, like, he was offended. <laughs> and yeah, I guess t- not in the Back to the Future sense, yeah, but yeah, I mean, they're jumping through stuff. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, it's kind of time It had travel. that Terminator kind of vibe, that little Matrix vibe in there. So, I mean, I feel like, you know, if you like Mission Impossible movies or Bond movies, this is right in there until yeah. it's not. Yes. And then when it's not, it's probably not as good, even if it's like when I'm watching it, I'm like, how the hell did he make? How did they shoot this? Yeah. And I, I love stuff like that. Yeah. But at the same time, I kind of lost connection. I mean, here's a knock on these. And this is a knock on Bond movies, too. Like, you know, these none of these guys have wives that they miss. No. They're all just, you know, married, like married to their work. One one dimensional guys. I mean, yeah. the, the the one the, the only one that has a kid is the bad guy. 
Of course. You know, the only one that has a wife right. is the bad guy. That's right. Yeah. You know, nobody yeah. else is, is longing to be home uh, or, they're just boy, a- I, I can't wait to get this mission done so I can get back to my wife There's, and get... It's I mean, so empty. Even Marvel will pull that shit sometimes. Absolutely. Like Hawkeye had a family. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so it does feel a little silly in modern times that that's your take on war, which yeah. is ultimately sort of what this movie gets to. But I did enjoy Tenet. Uh, it was fun. Uh, Chris Nolan's great. Um, I think maybe his best work still might be like those first two Batman movies. Yeah. In the sense that they're very easy to understand. Mm-hmm. You know, it's sort of like you take a very easy to understand concept and then you pack all of this visual things that Nolan's so great at. Right. And it makes a movie that everyone can love. Where versus like Inception or this, where it's like, I don't know. People like enjoy what they're seeing, but they don't know that they understand it. Even going back to Memento, yeah, which I yeah. think was intentionally meant to, yeah. and we'll talk a little bit about, bit about this in comparison to a movie called The Father, the idea yeah. of kind of shaking people right. up to experience something similar to what the main character is mm-hmm. experiencing. And also, Christopher Nolan likes that mystery. You remember that scene in Inception, which he still hasn't really revealed how they did it, with Joe Gordon-Levitt's fighting the yeah, guy and right. rotating? Uh-huh. Uh, you know, I don't think he's ever really come out and said how no. they did that, which is kind of cool. And then this movie, uh, you know, I mean, this is sort of the gimmick is backwards. Yes. And I'm kind of watching this, like, you know, the characters are moving forward through a world that's moving backwards. backwards yeah. And I'm like, are these... Did these characters walk backwards to appear forwards? That's, or those what? are the questions and I was I don't know. Too. I don't know yeah. the answer. And so I, I love stuff like that. I do too. But I, I didn't make my list, I think, ultimately because I, I don't know that I recommend this to people who you know, want to just have fun and not think. Yeah, then they'll get mad at you. Yeah, yeah. they're going to have to think. So anyway. <laughs> yeah. I like Tenet, though. It was great. Uh, I mean, Nolan's amazing. I hope he can find a project that's maybe not as out there. Yeah. You know, Interstellar, out there. Yeah. Great, but out there. Hard, hard to access. Right, yeah. yeah. All right, let's talk about my number 15. I just went for it at my 15. Okay. I just said, you know what? We're doing Oscar movies. All right. I put Nomadland at 15. Okay. Maybe the the front runner for Best Picture, which we'll get to Oscar nominations, but Nomadland, um, you know, I've reviewed it on the show. Uh, you know, you guys, if you haven't seen it, it is on Hulu. Um, story of a woman who basically lives in an RV. Yep travels around the United States and um, takes jobs like Amazon Warehouse. She works at a truck stop for a while. Um, Ends up, there there is a little bit of romance in there, uh, but it's really sad. You know, she lost her husband. The town that they lived in uh, you know, is basically gone to, so to shit. It takes place in 08, doesn't it, with the recession? Yeah, I yeah. think it takes place during the recession. I try to, as I'm talking about these, I like to bring up the cast and crew. Yeah. Uh, Chloe Zhao is the director. She made a movie called The Rider a few years ago, yeah. which apparently people really liked. I never got to see it. Yeah. But, I mean, there's really only two actors in it, and I say that, and there's more people in it, but it's Frances McDormand and David Strathairn, who are both excellent, of yes, course. Yes, absolutely. And then the other people... Uh, apparently were were these people that actually do this for real. I got that impression, yeah. And I, I believe it was, uh, I told the story, I think, before on the show, but she, you know, Frances McDormand would go in and talk about her dead husband, and these non-actors that are in the movie were feel like, oh, we're so sorry. And like, they, they'd yell cut, and they'd go up to her and go, oh, it's such a touching speech you made about your dead uh-huh. husband. And she says, oh, no, my husband's alive. I'm flying home tomorrow to say hi to him. Uh-huh. And they're like, what? Like, some people, apparently, now this is the story they put out there, sure. didn't know she's an actress. Okay. Which maybe if you live in a van, you haven't seen Frances McDormand maybe. in Fargo or something. Right, exactly. Um, but I, I liked it. You know, um, not a lot happens. No. Which is a knock against it. 
Um, it is very beautiful. They shoot in a lot of uh, oh, it's national parks. Beautifully shot. And um, I thought it definitely was something I enjoyed. Don't know that I'll ever go back to it. Right. Um, and, and so, again, this is also a thing where I go, do I recommend this to people? And I go, if you know what you're in for, I recommend it. But if you're just looking for a good time, yeah, maybe stay away from Nomadland. Um, but it is on Hulu. It's easy to watch. Um, may very well win Francis McDormand an award. Very well may win uh, Best Picture. Uh, I liked it. I don't know. What's your take on it? I had it in my honorable mentions. Okay. That was a really yeah. good movie. You know, before we go any further, I just wanted to mention, too, you know must really be pissed about that movie is Robin Wright. Yeah. She had a very similar movie called Land come out oh, yeah. right around I, the same time. I heard time. about Land, but I didn't see it. And I actually thought, when I first saw Nomad, I thought, wait, I thought that was I thought it was the same movie. Yeah. Uh, not exactly the same thing, okay. but you know, I think probably took a little heat off of her movie. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. what I really liked about uh, Nomadland, it sort of felt like a new Westward, you know, manifest destiny. All, all these people were, you know, are they running away from something? Or are they running towards something? Right. And all of them had suffered some kind of loss. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it doesn't make for the most uplifting, joyous movie going experience, but it really, it was really good. It doesn't have your traditional three act structure, your no. protagonist, antagonist. It's just a story of a woman trying to. Trying to live and yeah, trying to trying to fit and find a place, lo- yeah. And maybe that place is the road, and right. uh, you know, I'm sure. <laughs> I hate to think of the poor people who see this movie and go, "That looks like a life for me." I know. And I go, yeah, maybe it's not for you, but you know, hey. It also reminded me of Into the Wild, you know, okay. the story of yeah. Christopher McCandless. Same thing, <laughs> where like you don't really want people to mimic that because yeah. that young man unfortunately didn't really know what he was doing and it cost him his life. Where with this, it's a little safer. There's a community, which is really nice. Yeah, but. Yeah, kind of, kind of sad. Yeah, you know. Do you remember the was it Wild, the Reese Witherspoon movie where she Same. walks the trail, the Appalachian and then trail. about halfway through she kind of goes, "What the fuck am I doing in right. this thing?" And then and, and sort of she found herself, but she also found like maybe this walk, this hiking thing ain't my thing, <laughs> right? You know, which so. I respect. That, you yeah, know, that, absolutely. And you might figure that out. You know, yeah. Hey, I, that's a journey I talk about for stand up comedy. You may do it <laughs> yeah. and figure out it's not for you, Absolutely. and that's okay. You know, by mentioning that, we should, I, I wrote this down to mention, uh, we've got a big show coming up a couple weeks from now. Yes. We should tell people about that. Absolutely. Comedy Castle, uh, my, my advanced comedy class, is doing their, uh, their final uh, sort of performance to finish out the class, the showcase there. It's April 14th at Mark Ridley's Comedy Castle. Yes. Uh, you're going to be on that show because you're in the class right I'm now. I'm going to be on that show. I can't wait. Any chance I get to be on that stage, I always take. When I first took Bill's class, I honestly walked in not thinking we were going to actually use yeah, that. I thought they'd yeah. have something else. Right. Now, that's like, you know, Yankee Stadium to me. That's <laughs> right, yeah. unbelievable. So, um, yes. And I very well may be performing on it. It's, it's sort of up in the air about time. Oh, that would be awesome. A, that's really why. But generally speaking, I think I'll be at that one. And then if you want to join the advanced comedy class, that starts Saturday, April 17th. You can call the Comedy Castle at 248-542-9900. If you want to sign up and take the advanced comedy class it's for people with a little bit of experience in comedy if you don't have experience we've got a great beginner class with bill bouchard as well and of course you can get your tickets you can make a reservation for the show on the 14th by calling that same note yes and i will do my very best to promote that as well and yes for the class i can't recommend it highly enough Mm -hmm. 101 or the advanced class it did a lot for me can hopefully do a lot for you you. yeah absolutely all right give us a number 14 then jason and number 14 this might be a bit of a surprise but i had a very entertaining movie called greenland with Gerard Butler. Okay. It's, to me, one of the rare big-budget disaster movies which had a little bit of heart, some development and character arc. I remember seeing the trailer last year, 
and thinking like, oh, this is going to be, you know, just earth porn or what do they call it? Destruction porn. Okay. And it really wasn't. And I think it, uh, you know, it's got the, the, the family on the run, disaster, take cover. It had all those tropes, but I don't know. It really... is. is so, what's, so I didn't see this movie. That's what, okay. What's happening in Greenland? What's, sure. the, what's the point of that? Yeah, so it's Greenland doesn't come up till the end, but it's okay. essentially comets are hitting okay. Earth, and there's a extinction-level comet on its way, and people are fleeing to... Uh, hidden bunkers in Greenland, and okay. so it's Gerard Butler trying to get yeah. his family to one of these, mm-hmm. and extremely entertaining. Okay. I couldn't recommend it highly enough. I, I miss this movie, but yeah. uh, but well, maybe I'll catch it. Yeah, yeah, no, it was good. Greenland, all right. Yeah. Uh, I'll give you my number fourteen movie. This was a movie that again, I think this came out uh, sort of right around the holidays. If you went to the theater, and now you can see it at home, uh, and it had a lot of Oscar buzz, and I don't. I think it might have gotten an acting nomination for one of the people, but uh, it's called News of the World, and yes. it stars Tom Hanks and a lady. Let's see if I have her name. Did she, I think she did get a supporting actress, didn't she? Oh, the, she didn't. The young lady. She was she was snubbed. Yeah. Anyway, News of the World. I, I have to pull up her uh, name here. Let me let me get it. We're here. talking about the girl, the little girl. Yeah, the little girl. So yeah. it's a western, and yes. it, it, it uh, Tom Hanks plays. And this is one of the reasons I thought this movie was was so uh, fascinating, is that uh, first of all, Paul Greengrass yeah. directed this, who made. Uh, some of the Jason Bourne movies. Right. He made United ninety three, yep. which are you know, and he sort of had this. Uh, he's sort of known as the shaky cam action guy. Right. And um, by the way, Helena Zengel is the young actress that terrific. plays the kid in this. Uh, but uh, but this movie, no shaky cam. No, there isn't like one action sequence. There's like a shootout at one point. Yeah, uh, where there's that. But generally, it's like long shots of them on the range in, uh, I believe it takes place in Texas. I think they shot it in yeah. New Mexico. Uh, but it's Tom Hanks going from town to town. What I, what I loved about it, I mentioned this, his occupation, which does not exist anymore. Right. He's a guy who goes from town to town, and he reads the newspaper. Yeah. And you go, why would a guy need to go from town to town and read the newspaper? People couldn't read. Yeah. In the Old West. The illiteracy. Uh, so he would go and read the news of the world. That's where this comes from. And uh, and as he's doing sort of these live shows, I mean, it's literally a show. It is a show. People pay, I think it was a dime or a nickel to get in. Yeah. And then Tom, uh, you know, would get out the papers and he'd read the news of the world. And people were hearing about what was going on in Washington. And this was the only way that you could find out. So this news was old by the time these people were even getting it. But it was this quick as you could get it there was to have a guy go on his wagon and go out there it's fascinating yeah i didn't know i never thought of that of having ever been an occupation but it does make sense yeah and he was uh he was uh i forget if he was a captain in the civil war so we're just post-civil war um and you know the the range was a dangerous place it uh, and you see that and it's certainly a dangerous place for a little girl and tom uh does his best to save her from that and uh and it really you know um it's not it's not i don't think this movie is going to make you cry so i don't want you guys to worry that like you know the little girl gets eaten by wolves or something like it doesn't go there i think it's i think it's actually the journey really is more the tom hanks character right i mean yeah. uh, then you know the kid is a kid and the kid's happy to be where she is she doesn't really feel like she's in danger but he's sort of like no let me let me help you well i think that both of them in their own way are searching for a home she's actually been stolen from two different she was stolen by yeah, right, the yeah. native americans and then they were stolen from there and 
She, um, they're both on a journey together. I had this at number eleven on my list. Okay, and I think the best westerns are the ones that there two at least two characters interacting and that there's a journey like a long mm-hmm. yeah. journey and this right. had that i enjoyed it very much and i again fascinated by the idea that somebody would just walk in and like you said it's like early stand-up yeah you know he wouldn't do a lot of perform but you know he had a lot of charisma they respected yeah. him he looked like I mean, a he, smart man he told like a story he made the newspaper yeah. into a story yes. and then that you'll see there's a big payoff at the end with that which i thought was really beautiful absolutely and, and touching uh so yeah it's a great movie I, I again people sort of i think tom hanks now people just assume it's going to be great yeah but, you know, they're like, well, Tom Hanks just plays the white guy who does the right thing. This is no different than that. You know, it's it, pretty is, much it, yeah. it is that thing. Uh, but he's he's really good. And I thought the movie was beautiful. So uh, he uh, we'll get to this probably later. But I was thinking about like the best resumes in acting history. Yeah. And I think Gary Oldman might have everybody beaten in that mm-hmm. regard. But yeah, Tom Hanks, people forget. I mean, yeah, he played a gay man dying of yeah. AIDS. He played an astronaut. White guy doing the right thing, I guess, but yeah. he's so good at it. You that's, know? that's kind of his, his thing. And, um, you know, uh, who's better than him at doing it? Because whoever that is, you replace Tom Hanks with him, but they haven't. And yeah, no, so, exactly. you know, people might look at this and go, oh, it's just Tom Hanks being Tom Hanks. But it's like. He's great. No, and he got Why a not? good director and a yeah. great cast. Absolutely. All right, so I think we're up to your 13. We are. Mr. Jason. So at 13, I had a small horror movie called Relic. Relic. And what I really enjoyed about Relic, a few years ago, there was a movie that came out called The Babadook. Yes. And that movie was a horror movie that was a metaphor for grief and depression mm-hmm. that definitely resonated with me and i'm sure with others but this was most certainly a metaphor on dementia Mm -hmm. you had um i mean i guess people would have to see it but without giving away too much i mean there's almost like it's an old woman and she's missing for a few days then inside her house there's almost like another house inside the house uh, it's sort of the reveal uh but it's what her daughter goes to visit her because she's missing and goes to find her and, and really, then you yeah. sort of go, what's going on with this lady? And in a way, it's it's almost not even a horror movie to a point. Right. You almost have like half the movie is just, where's my mom? What's she doing? And then when and she... Then, yeah, <laughs> and there's not a lot of explanation. Yeah. But, but I think like... You know, the metaphors, like the, the internal hallways of this other house are dead ends and they're closing and then they're, it's like the person's dementia. Yeah. Like they are symbolizing yeah. the old woman's confusion. And then I, I don't want to give away the ending, but the, the molting sort yeah, of, yeah. which I think is a symbol of accepting this new version of the mm-hmm. person who, if anybody that knows someone with dementia yeah. knows, it's not, it's the same person, but it's not. And you have to get used to that. Yeah, it's, it's a cool movie. Uh, it is. I think there are because I was watching this going. It's a horror movie, but it's not. You know, Layla does not like horror movies. Okay, so she was away for the night when I watched <laughs> Relic. So I, I was like, oh, here's my night to watch a horror movie. Right. Uh, so I watched Relic because I heard how good it was, and yeah, it is really good. It it, it was on my uh, runners up. It wasn't in my top fifteen, um, but man, uh, you definitely uh, there are some some scary bits in this. Uh, but I just you know as just a movie, you know, this could have been. You could take the same plot, and it's not a horror movie. Yeah. It just doesn't go the same way, right. you know? Um, but it, what a creative way to make a horror movie. Yeah. Because, you know, we've seen, you know, the serial killer on the run and, and that kind of, you know, sure. and it gets boring, and here is, you know, almost like an internal uh, thing, you know, yeah. psychological horror. And I think another thing that really freaks people out 
is body horror and like the David yeah. Cronenberg way. Like, yeah. and we have a body horror scene pretty extreme in mm. this movie with the woman's skin and yeah. pulling it off. And I think that horrifies people, especially to find out what's you know literally beneath the skin, which you find out later on. Yeah. But absolutely, yeah, the woods, man, yeah, the woods. Still, still good. <laughs> the woods. They still work. Oh yeah, yeah, they yeah. They still work as oh, a setting. Always. You know, the cabin in the woods. Always. You got Blair that. Witch Project. You got, yeah. You know, so, but it, it was a, definitely an interesting take on horror. And uh, some people may go, "Oh, it wasn't scary enough." Whatever. No. But it's like it's not the point. No, I think it had a lot to say. Yeah. 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 Good movie. Absolutely. All right. So I got to give you a thirteen. Oh, okay. this was fun. I, you know, as I'm making my list, I might have literally dropped Relic. For this movie, because okay. I said, do I have comedies on here? And I, and I really, but we need what was the funniest, best comedy I saw. And that would have been, and again, this, now see, with that whole Oscar year eligibility thing, yeah. this came out in February. I don't know if it ever ran in the theater, so it may not even be Oscar eligible, but it's on my list anyway, Absolutely. so fuck it. Barb and Star go to Vista Del Mar. Yes. So funny. Kristen Wiig easily the best movie she's been in since Bridesmaids. For sure, 100%. I believe for her uh, her co-star, who I should find her name, Anne Momolo, yes. I believe wrote Bridesmaids with her. Her and, uh, her and Kristen are kind of a team. Yeah. But you don't see a lot of uh, uh, Anne Momolo in the movie so much. Right. I think she's more of a writer. But, uh, man, I mean... This is a movie that I think for over a year there were these trailers, and you probably saw them if you go to the movies. Yeah, and there was like they never even showed Kristen Wiig. Yeah, and so you're watching who are these two ladies, Barb and Star, and you kind of go. And I was remember watching the trailer with my girlfriend. You know, this is in '19. Yeah, and I lean over and I go, I think this is a Kristen Wiig thing. Yeah, but you you couldn't even be sure. Um, but basically, there's these two ladies who live together who you sort of. There's a little bit of a lesbian sort of... I mean, they like guys, but at the same time, you know, they share a house and all that stuff. They like each other a lot, you know. (laughs) And um, they decide that they need to go to Florida to spice up their lives, essentially. And then uh, what they don't realize is that there is a villainous plot going to happen at this resort on the beach in Florida. And uh, Jamie Dornan... From Fifty Shades of Grey fame, yes. shows up and is really funny. Yeah. And you look at Jamie Dornan, you go, look at this himbo asshole. I mean, what in a comedy? Are you forever, fucking kidding forever me? Forever tarnished. Yeah, he's really good in this movie. He has a musical scene. Yeah. Uh, this movie looks amazing. It's shot. It's really like over the top, colorful. Colors, yeah. It was actually shot in Cancun. So if you wonder. Because I was watching this going, what beach in Florida is that? I want to go there because sure. you see this row and row of these amazing hotels and, and it's like, oh, it's Cancun. Yeah. Um, it was funny as hell. I think I got a real Austin Powers vibe off of this okay. without ruining anything, if you no. know what I'm talking about. Well, I, I missed this one. I did see no, the you trailers. Didn't see no, oh. I didn't, unfortunately. It's, I did see the trailers and I can relate to the colorful and everything. Didn't quite get to it, but that's a pretty ringing endorsement. It's, it's so funny. I mean, okay. and look, I believe me, I... When I see dumb comedies, I I turn away. I sure. run from them. But, you know, this was something my girlfriend wanted to see. I think it came out on, like, Valentine's weekend. So I said, we'll rent this for Valentine's Day. This will be our little uh, our little night. little treat because she had been wanting to see this. Oh, I want to see Barb and Star. She's like that. She'll see something go, I want to see this. And I go, that looks stupid as hell. Yeah. And then we watch it. It's stupid as hell. This one was great. That's and good to know. so I got to say, uh, Kristen Wiig did a fan. I mean, and there's cameos in it, too. I don't want to ruin. Um it's just so funny. I, I I wish I could 
tell you more about it without ruining it because there is uh you know a whole sort of overarching story that sure. um it's just a funny movie and uh if you you know also you know a lot of people haven't taken vacation so here you get to go to the beach vacation uh, for a week and and here's another funny little trivia thing uh i, I was watching you know watching the movie and i, I find go oh this was cancun my girlfriend goes, oh, okay, well, why don't you look into going to Cancun? I go, okay, we're going to go into Cancun. So I start typing in, and I find a resort that seems affordable. Sure. And I click on it, and I'm looking at the photos. And I go, yeah, we can afford this. You know, it's an all-inclusive thing. I don't sure. know if you've ever been to one of those. I, I haven't. I but, haven't, no. Uh, but it's Mexico all-inclusive. Okay. $700 a person for four nights, all-inclusive. So meals, alcohol, everything, airfare. That works. Four nights at this beautiful resort. It was the literal resort they shot the movie at. No way. And that was coincidental. Are you, go- are you guys going? Uh, she, uh, Layla doesn't have a passport. Okay. And to fly to Mexico, you need a passport. Eh. We could drive. She was, well, can't we drive to Cancun? I go, if you want to drive <laughs> you could. from the U.S. border to Cancun Fuck that. Uh, in a rental car, oh. uh, we could do that, but that was not a safe thing to do. My Mexican cousins tell me not to do that shit. <laughs> They're like, stay the fuck away. I, I spent one afternoon in Mexico. Yeah? I went to Matamoros, which is across from... Uh, uh, Brownsville, Texas. I was on okay. spring break at South Padre Island. Did you have fun? And I took like a bus trip over. Yeah, I went to the markets and bought mezcal. Okay. Yeah. And you came right back over. Came right back. I bet. But we ate and drank. Yeah. yeah we, were, we were 18. We were in high school. It's, uh, it was fun. The, my, my grandfather's birthplace, Guadalajara, I guess, I just read the other day, it's like the number one cartel city now. <laughs> like, fuck, I was just, want, just wanted to go there. But anyway, I was just going to say about this movie, it's, it's really good to see. I like Kristen Wiig, and it's really good to see her get a win here because... I didn't mind her in Wonder Woman 1984, yeah. but a lot of people yeah, uh, she got yeah. nominated for a Razzie or something. And mm-hmm. I know not everybody saw that movie, but maybe she was miscast. I thought she was fine, but yeah. I, I like her, so I'm glad yeah. to hear she got a good one. Yeah, this this one's real good. It's it's her thing. Again, I think it's kind of a shame that there wasn't a theatrical, or there, there was, you know, no one really went. I saw the trailers forever. Um, yeah, the trailers aired forever on this movie, yeah. and it was like it finally came out. My girlfriend's like, we got to see this, got to see this, and it was good. It's funny. Women will like it. I think it's not... You know, look, I'm a comedy snob. I don't sure. like bad stand-up. I don't like bad movies. I don't like bad television shows, but this is a good one, so yeah. everyone should see it. Fantastic. All right, I think we're up to number 12 from you, Jason. Yeah. So number 12, I had Herself, Yes. who we saw on Amazon Prime. It's an Irish movie mm-hmm. about a young woman who is trying to escape her abusive husband, and in doing so, uh, literally is building herself a house on the property of the woman who she works for. And what I really loved about this movie is, you know, especially in today's kind of hashtag Me Too climate, just like, and, and a lot of guys deserve this, but it was really nice to see, like, there was good men in this movie, yeah, too. Yeah. You know, there was the absolute right. asshole husband mm-hmm. who beat her. And then there's these other people, men and women, that kind of come together as a community. And then the message I got from this movie is especially... The ending. I knew that motherfucker was going to do well, that. Yeah, I yeah, yeah. Well, don't ruin was, it. Don't ruin it. I got it. I got yeah. it. Yeah. But um, it was the idea that we we have to start again, and then when we start again, we have to start again. Then mm-hmm. we have to start again, and over and over. That you're always starting again, but as long as you have something around you, in her case, her children or the other uh, men and women in the movie, that you have something to live for. So I thought it was a really positive, uplifting message. I love the young woman who played the lead. I thought she was phenomenal. Yeah, I'm trying to find who that is. Is it Claire Dunn? That sounds right. There's, well, there was, I see, the, I'm, I'm looking at it without seeing the headshots, but uh, 
She wrote it as well, I think. Oh, fantastic. I think she did. I don't know. It's a great movie, though. I agree with you. Herself is really good. Um, I think some people, uh, you know, when you have a movie that's not a mainstream Hollywood movie, and this is an Irish production with an Irish cast, um, you know... You don't, and we'll get to this with some other movies, you know, they don't have that Hollywood ending. They don't have that happy thing. And so a lot of people go, I like this movie, but I didn't like the ending, and they bummed me out, and so I don't want people to see it. And we're going to get to some movies that follow that as well. I think even though this movie kind of has that, I still really uh, felt good after watching this movie. It's really nice. I totally agree. Uh, It's really uh, kind of a delightful sort of pick-up-yourself you know, pick the bootstraps and get yourself moving and, right. and and make a better life for yourself and your family. And that's what this movie is, and I, I really recommend it. And there was another movie, uh, I don't know if you're going to talk about it, and I hate to steal your that's shit, okay. but, that's okay. you know, Pieces of a Woman, right. uh, which was a Netflix movie that got nominated, uh, I think, the actress in, in that one. We'll, we'll talk about that in a second. But that movie, which, you know, had some similar overtones. Yeah. Did not work for me like this did. I think this is really one of... And I'm surprised the Oscars didn't appreciate this. But, you know, some people say... I read some criticism of it is... I knew they were going to do that. And I knew... And I'm like, well, you know, that's... you know, I think this is one of those things where you go... uh, This is based on a true story. Everyone's like, oh my God, this is this emotional thing. I can't believe this true story. I don't think this movie is a true story. And so, even though it could have been, it could have, you know, it kind of feels, it feels real. So, what's the difference? Unfortunately, that's um, probably the experience of a lot of women. I mean, the movie opens with a horrifying beating, you know, the husband beating his wife in front of the girls. And obviously that immediately endears you to the woman and that you're rooting for her the entire time. And right. And, and that, that might be hard for people to watch. It is. You could be triggered if you're, you know, you have a, uh, a thing. Sure. That, uh, yeah, Claire Dunn is, is the lead actress. Very talented woman. Yeah, very good. I'd like to see her in other stuff. I know she's only been in, uh, I'm, I'm looking at what she's been in, and, uh, you know, it's a lot of stuff I either didn't see or, I don't know. <laughs> It's really good, though. She was the co-writer. Yeah, good for her. Great great, great movie. Big accomplishment I, for her, yes. I really liked herself. Absolutely. In fact, herself was my number six. Okay. I had it higher than you did. <laughs> All right, uh, let's see. Then I give you a number 12. Okay. Now, I didn't pick Relic, but I still got a horror movie on my list. Okay. And this one is called Host. Yes, where am I? I have that. And you have Host on your list as I well? I do. Go ahead, and I'll find yeah, it. Yeah, Host, uh, if you didn't see it, and, and believe me, you got some of these you got to look for. <laughs> right. This was on a, on a streaming service called Shudder. Now, I think they'll give I, you 30 days free of Shudder if you're not a horror movie. Shudder is like a horror movie streaming service. Yes. And if you're not a fan of horror movies, uh, you know, why would you have Shudder? Well, would. I got Shudder just to watch this. <laughs> I had it on my honorable mentions. <laughs> yeah. Sh- uh, host is a movie, and, and there were more than one of these. But to me, this was far and away the best one where it was made in the pandemic, and it's made from the perspective of it's a Zoom meeting. Right. And you're literally turn on the movie, you're watching a Zoom meeting. Yeah. Uh, and um, uh, there was another movie, a movie a couple years ago that wasn't ha- pandemic related, but it was, I think, it was Searching with John Cho. Yes, yes, and, that's and the And that one. was, uh, I feel like we might have even talked about Host I when you were we here did. before. Yeah. Uh, on one of your previous appearances. But um, 
yeah, you watch this movie and you're like, I'm not going to be scared at a fucking Zoom meeting. Right. You know, I think it basically it's a bunch of uh, women, I think, and one of their gentleman friends yeah. sit down to do a seance yeah. over Zoom. Right. Because, you know, they'd normally be getting together to do this kind of sleepover seance thing. And they do this seance thing. And it starts to get crazy. And I watched this movie and I was like... It's just a Zoom meeting. I mean, I literally feel like they used Zoom to make this movie. I'm sure, yeah. Um, I believe the actors, you know, were alone in their apartments in some cases and, and doing this. Um, and you're like, I, I don't want to ruin it, but it, I also in the same, it's funny, I, this and Tenet, I look at it and go, how did they do that? Because yes. this is a movie, go, it's a Zoom meeting. How did they do it? And I'm watching it and I'm like, there's stuff in this movie that I'm like, what the fuck just happened? How did they shoot this? Well, there's a couple special effects. Yeah, shots. that's You're what like, I'm Wait, wondering. What? I'm wondering, like, if this is an actor home alone with the webcam, you have things happening that clearly would take lots of people to make. And so, you know, the whole thing is sort of like it's a Zoom meeting, but then you know it can't really be a Zoom meeting, but it just feels like a real Zoom movie. It's really an amazing movie. Well, and, and yeah. You jump, you, you know, uh, if you like paranormal activity, I think this is right. This is agree. right in that wheelhouse. I would agree. Which I never really liked those movies that much because you know there were the found footage things, and they always kind of felt phony to me. Yeah, I didn't really like Blair Witch. This one works. Yeah, the things that they that they pull off with this, it made me wonder, filmmaking wise, if they didn't shoot it live. In other words, like in one take, because I don't know if you did this, but a couple times, like. I instinctively tapped my screen when somebody's Zoom went out. Like right. one of the characters dropped out. I was like, oh, and I yeah, like, yeah, right, fuck, yeah. what am I doing? Yeah. But they had a couple, they did some crazy stuff with the, the face app. Yeah, you know yeah, what I'm yeah. talking about yeah. without spoiling yeah. it. And yeah, some significant jump scares. Even when they're panning in that mm. attic, I'm like, what did I just, wait, yeah, right. did I just see what well, I think I saw? One of the things that when you're doing something from a Zoom perspective, the characters are vulnerable because behind them. Yes. And they use that so well, they like did. what's behind you right. at any given moment. And, you know, you're seeing things and you're not. Now, where was this? Do you remember? I, God, I saw this so long ago. It says here that it was a UK movie, but I think it was New Zealand or Australia, wasn't it? I usually take note of those things. Yeah, I can't really I, remember I, on yeah, this one. I think, it was, I think it was either Australia or New Zealand. Because I saw this, you know, during pandemic, you know, this I think came out pretty early on, like May or something yeah. of last year. So they... Uh, they really made this quickly. I, I thought this was terrific. And again, I think this could be the horror movie if you don't like horror movies. Two quick things about it. One, you mentioned uh, the stuff behind you. I think they did a really you know, scary thing with that girl that had the background where it was yeah. her. Go, yeah. It was actually a moving right, background. Yeah, yeah. So you're like, is she doing that? Yeah, is that she's the like, background? this is my moving background. Right, and cool? then they used that later. Yeah. The, the other thing was it was such a weird running time it was like an hour it's fi i'm looking at it right now 56 minutes right yeah. so it's not a yeah. short film but that's all you need Absolutely. and again watching a zoom meeting for more than 56 minutes is going to be boring <laughs> anyway sure. so. now did you see the stuff at the end of like here's us really shoot like yeah kind of behind yeah it? i yeah. didn't really get that it yeah. seemed like it was just more of the movie that just i i again i don't know how much of that was not 
part of the movie. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. Trying to imply yeah. that stuff really happened. Yeah, the- it's sort of one of those. Yeah. And um, well, you know, hey, maybe people will look back at this and it'll be one of those things where it's like, no, this is a real Zoom meeting that happened. Sure. You know, that yes. I think that people will, you know, it's like those found footage movies. People get These confused. are real. No, no, Blair Witch was real. When well, nine, like, in 99 at Blair Witch, people actually they thought, thought it was, it was real. real. Yeah. If you didn't know, you would have thought it was real. But For uh, sure. All right. So uh, that was my number 12. You've already given me your 11, yep. so why don't I give you my 11? Okay. Because, again, we're talking about uh, interesting uh, cinematic experiments. Yes. And this is one. It's called Bloody Nose, Empty Pockets. Yeah. Now, here's the thing. I am going to... Hmm, <laughs> I love how this. to approach this? And I've talked about this before on the podcast. I guess I don't feel too strange mentioning it. But we talked about host, and we said, this may be a thing that people will watch and go, here's a real thing that happened. Right. You should watch Bloody Nose, Empty Pockets going, this is a real thing that happened. Yeah. I watched it going, oh, this is a real thing that happened. Yeah. And, and the premise is uh, filmmakers go to the last... A bar in Las Vegas, a dive bar in Las Vegas, is closing. It is their last day in existence. Yep. Uh, and so they decided to document it with the film crew. And you go in and you, you meet the regulars, you meet the bartender, you watch people come and go from the bar, they order food, they sing along to the jukebox, right. they get in fights, they fall in love on some level, yeah, uh, yeah. and you watch this movie and you're like, wow, this is a fly-on-the-wall dive bar Perfect. party yeah. thing. Yeah. And then you read about how this movie was made and you go, oh, yeah, this is not what we thought it was. But the delineation of what was real and what is fake, I don't know. Even though you read descriptions about what was real and what was fake, and there's some things right away that were fake, meaning the bar was actually in New Orleans, okay. not Las Vegas. Okay. They took some of the people in the movie and shot them around like famous Las Vegas landmarks yeah. to kind of give that yeah. thing. At so air- shot at the airport. Right. The yeah. yeah. So they, they did that. So they tried to, you know, they shot a little bit in Vegas, but the bar itself is in Louisiana. The bar did not close. Oh, really? <laughs> While those people were, I think with one exception, not actors, they actually didn't hang out at that bar. They scouted other bars to find the people. So it's this whole really weird thing about what was real, what was fake. And you sort of were, you know, I know that they also said, you know, the stuff that was on the televisions. I think you see them watching Jeopardy at one point. There's, uh, you know, some Trump stuff uh, that comes up. Those things were put in there by the producers. But I think, you know, they'd put up a clip of Trump on the news. The people would talk about that. They could say whatever they want. So it's one of these things that... You know, it's considered a documentary. Mm. I think it is a documentary, but I also think that it's a documentary that was, you know, the one guy, and I think he mentions that he is doing some acting. Yeah. The guy who was cleaning, uh, the guy with the long pony, long gray ponytail. Oh, yeah. Um, It's a crazy movie, and I loved it. Believe me, I watched this, and I'm 20 minutes in going, 
this is boring. What's going to happen? Me too. And then by the end, I'm like, I want a show of this. I know. I want an hour of this bar every week. I know. And then I get done and I read about it and I go, oh, yeah, that was not real. I had it. I had it in my honorable mentions. I didn't take it as anything other than a straight documentary. I didn't. I kind of shut myself up. And they want you to watch it that way. And I'm I'm kind of ruining it by doing it. But, you know, it's almost gets more fascinating when you know it's not real. Right, because now there's different elements brought into it. I was exactly the same as you. I thought, I, I don't know that I can do an hour and 40 of this, yeah. but it, it did have that fly-in-the-wall thing going on. And I just, you know, the, I think we've all, you know, we get to a certain age. You've met all kinds of people from all different places. I felt like I could have walked in that bar and, and been okay. I sure. think I could yeah, be yeah, accepted I, there. You I, know. You know, go to, Ham, go to bar in Hamtramck. Exactly. Exactly the same thing. Just normal, decent And you got people. the regulars, and they all know yeah. each other, and the bartender's there, and then there's interlopers. I mean, the thing, this movie has heroes and villains. It does. Which you wouldn't think, it how does. do you make this documentary about a bar? Like, there's bar patrons that you go, I hate this motherfucker. Like the guy Somebody punch this motherfucker yeah. now. Trying to fight everybody. He fucking deserves, douche. You know, and yeah. they, they follow the wait staff, and the one waitress has kids. The kid, yeah. And you follow those kids around a little bit. It's it's really a cool movie I uh, it. that, you know, again, I don't think it's for everybody, but I mean, as a, like a cinematic experiment, uh, it's a kind of unbelievable. And, and I thought it was uh, one of the funnest, uh, most unique things I saw all year. So I, the note the that list. I put on it was uh, Barstool Philosophers and that it, even though it happened in Vegas or New Orleans, or whatever, yeah. you, like you said, it could be anywhere. Could be anywhere. Yeah, everybody's got a bar like that. Exactly. They were like a family. Yeah. You yeah. all got a bar like that. And, uh, you know, people, you know, and sort of that thing. And it's sad. Well, I mean, alcoholism, you know, you definitely see that uh, drug use. Um, But also for some people, their life is their bar. Yeah. It's not my life, thank God. But for some people, that's what it is. You know, those are all their friends. The one guy has a fantastic quote. He says something. He's that sort of strange sexual tension scene Mm -hmm. between the young man and the old guy. And he tries to get him to wake up. And he says something like... paraphrasing but don't ever be the guy who goes to the bar so he doesn't do other things or something mm-hmm. like that like yeah. you want to be living not living here yeah yeah you know? it's it's it, it actually gets deep in a way it does that was profound uh so i think this movie works on you know one one part is that fly on the wall this wacky bar <laughs> and the other part is very d- deep and uh you know, I mean, it was every bit as deep as No Man Land, I think, uh, yeah. on that level. Yeah, It's voyeuristic in a really good way. All right, let's move on. you got to give us uh, a number 10. Number 10? At number 10, I had The Sound of Metal. All right. Yeah, which is uh, fantastic. Oh, I guess what to, how to describe this movie. Yeah. I think this movie, its greatest strength is it uses empathy as a lasso and just pulls you in because yeah. you're like, I think about this sometime, and it's probably those discussions you have with your friends when you're getting high outside. Mm-hmm. But it's like, if you had to give up one of your senses, what would it be? Yeah. And it's like, obviously, I wouldn't want to give up my sight, but I also wouldn't want to give up Oasis and the Smiths and yeah. Smashing Pumpkins and the things that I love to hear mm-hmm. that give me so much energy. Now you hear have a guy who his life is music, and then just, it kind of feels like his hearing loss happens overnight, although I don't know if 
that's really the case. You know, we just kind of like boom. Yeah, it's death. after a gig. Oh, first yeah. of all, one a couple things that people should not be afraid to watch this movie. Yeah, the poster is this guy playing the drums. Yeah, and it's called The Sound of Metal. Right. It's not about a metal band. No, their band is like a indie noise, noise. duo. Yeah, uh, so yeah. it's him and his girlfriend. Yeah. Uh, by the way, the the actor uh, Riz Ahmed Love is him. unbelievable. He is. Now here's the thing that I didn't realize uh, watching this. I didn't recognize. I've seen him in a bunch of movies, sure, and I did not recognize him. He was in Rogue One. Yeah, he was in Rogue One. He, he and his girlfriend uh, Olivia Cook is the actress. Yeah, was in stuff like Ready Player One and, and these big movies that I saw. Didn't even recognize her, so it really feels believable. It does because you don't. And Paul Racy, the other guy who I yes. guess we'll get to. Feels completely real. Yeah. So this movie really feels oh. real, but you keep talking about it. Like, no, that's okay. Uh, Olivia Cook, I remember specifically from a TV show called Bates Motel. Okay. I loved her in that. And she is uh, very much the sort of girl. Everything I've seen her is kind of like the girl next door. And this mm-hmm. was sort of like the punk rock version of that. Yeah. Riz was also in a really great movie with Jake Gyllenhaal called Nightcrawler. Okay. Yeah, I've, seen, like I've seen. That's another one that I saw. I but when I saw in, this, I, know. I didn't know. I didn't know it was him. He's like a chameleon. Yeah. But yeah, I think what really hit home with me on this movie, there's a couple scenes. Uh, I think the scene when he goes to the deaf camp and he first communicates with that boy by tapping on the yeah, slide. Yeah. I think that's a really big moment in his life. And I think, and that it, really is the sound of metal. That is, by, that is literally the sound of metal. That exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, that good call. That's where the title came from. Completely but, forgot that. But not the music. But yeah, and, and I think you see, and you'll probably get into this, but you know, he goes from not being deaf, then being part of the deaf community, then sort of like banished by the deaf mm-hmm. community because of a decision he makes yeah. which nobody could really fault him for making mm-hmm. but he doesn't really belong there anymore yeah. so yeah great movie it's uh yeah and i think again if there's any complaint about this movie if you because by the way layla really enjoyed sound of metal Good. and i had to kind of twist around to watch it <laughs> you know i didn't i knew what it was about roughly but i try not to spoil it for myself sure uh you know, it's one of those movies, and we'll get to maybe one or two other ones where, you know, they, they don't end, they just stop. Good call. And yeah. that's, I think, is sort of, if you had to knock, again, you don't have that Hollywood ending like we talked about. No. You don't have that Hollywood ending with this movie. No. Uh, but it, it could have gone this way. Could, you don't know what happens when the movie stops, but you're imagining this for him, or you're imagining that for him. Yeah, where does he go? Uh, where does he go? What does he do? Uh, but yeah, to watch... Um, you know, a guy who goes from being in a rock band, kind of living the dream, to having to live in a whole new community, completely isolated from his friends and family, you know, is really tough. And yet you see him uh, find the bright side of it and, and take what, you know, his musical background, taking that into this community yeah. and making it better and teaching children yes. and all that stuff. And it's so great. So it's great So stuff. heartwarming. And of course, the guy who runs this deaf yeah. retreat. Uh, that guy, Paul Racy, who I guess he knew sign language for some reason. You can read his background. Sure. Uh, is just unbelievable in this. He really is. And, uh, you know, it's sad, but uh, at times. But I think it's ultimately uplifting. And uh, I think it, it definitely, it's a smaller movie, but it's one of the best of the year for sure. I think I have it at, it's higher than you. I had this one at number four. So, nice. uh, yeah. I think Paul Racy, his scenes almost make the movie feel like a documentary. Yeah, a little it's bit. Like, mm-hmm. He's part guru, part father. Yeah. You know, 100% caring person without, and I can, well, I don't know if I can say this without yeah. ruining anything, but 
There's a scene in there that reminds me very much of a scene in Revolutionary Road, if you remember, where the old man I don't, has I don't on, saw it. Okay, with Leo and Kate. Okay. Well, basically, his old man has a hearing aid, and he can finally hear again, but all he hears is his wife bitching at him. <laughs> so I think the movie ends with yeah, him just like yeah. saying, fuck this, and yeah. he turns it down, right, and he doesn't yeah. want to hear anymore. Yeah, so. yeah there, is that, there is that sort of thing about, uh, you know, I, I need this hearing, I need to my music, I need this, I need that, and... Maybe you don't need what you think you need. Maybe you say, find something that's more important than that. Because it's not all it's life. cracked up yeah. to be when he gets back to it. Yeah, it's a great movie. It's on, it's on uh, Prime. So if you got the Amazon uh, Prime, just click on that, baby. And uh, it's, a great, it's, a really, it's a really beautiful, wonderful movie. I, I, I don't know that... Uh, I believe it's even nominated for Best Picture. It is. So. It is. It, yeah, yeah. Hopefully it's... We'll, we'll talk about that shortly. Strong contender. All right, so you gave me a 10, so I gave you my 10. Again, let me just make sure as I'm looking at my list of... Bla- okay, this is not a Best Picture nominee, but it's nominee. Uh, this is, you can see this one on Netflix, my number 10, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. Yeah. With Chadwick Boseman. Yes. Who... Uh, now, Chadwick Boseman, I believe this was his final film yeah. that he made. Uh, you can say he's nominated uh, for Best Actor at the Oscars. Mm-hmm. You can say they're going to, if you haven't seen this movie, you could certainly say Chadwick Boseman died young. It's very sad. Mm-hmm. They're going to give him the Oscar because he passed away and he's so sad. Mm-hmm. And I say, fuck you. They're going to give him the Oscar because it's one of the greatest acting performances you'll ever see in oh, your entire life. Amazing. He is unfucking believable. Yeah. So he plays a jazz musician in, I believe it's the 20s, was it the 30s, 20s? 20s? In Chicago. I think it's the 20s. Yep. And he's part of Ma Rainey's backup band. He is going in to sing this song. I, I believe it's the, the Black Bottom was the song, right? right they're at a big was, recording session. And they have to do this recording session. Now, back then in the 20s, they recorded live. Yeah. And they recorded to, I guess they were acetates at the time. Yeah. Uh, so they, it was literally a record. And there was a needle that cut the record. Yeah. And you kind of got, you didn't have, you could give more than one shot. But you couldn't rewind and reuse the tape. You had right. to break the thing. And get, yeah. So the pressure of recording, which I thought was some of the best scenes of the movie, were them trying to record this thing with Ma Rainey. With the young man with and, the stutter. <laughs> and Ma Rainey is this, you know, well-known, uh, you know, he's not famous, but she is. Right. And so he's got to go in and be this, uh, he's the guitar player, right? Is that what he was? Chadwick. Yeah, what was Chad? What was his instrument? No, he was, uh, I think, trumpet. Was he? Oh, yeah, he was yeah. trumpet player. Okay, again, it's one's been a while since no, I saw okay. it. Um, and you know, so the movie sort of has kind of two acts where it's the rehearsal, the band getting ready for Ma Rainey to show up, and all the old cats who are these jazz guys been around old school and young Chadwick Boseman, yeah. the brash upstart trumpet player who's very talented. But is a bit of an asshole. He's got his new shoes. He's got his new shoes, and there's a lot of lot of shoe arguments, a lot of shit talking. Yeah. So you know he's this brash guy who is super talented, but kind of nobody likes. Yeah. And he plays this so perfectly as sort of the cocky guy who you know we you see this in comedy the young guy who is talented but nobody likes him. Yeah. You know we could we could name names on that (laughs) that guy rubs people the wrong way. Rubs people the wrong way definitely. Uh, and then you see, you know, Ma Rainey and what's going on with her. Well, she's, you know, a lesbian at a time when you couldn't be an out lesbian. Right. And, and she's very much a diva. Oh, she's and the definition. you don't want, you know, yeah. and, and sort of he sort of crosses her. Uh, and that's Viola Davis, who's, who's really great in this movie she is. Uh, as well. Um, you know, again, people will watch this and go. I hated that ending. And yeah. I absolutely get hating the ending. My girlfriend was like, oh, 
the ending that fucking and I go, yeah, I get it. But you know, this is based on a play, and yeah. it, it does feel stage it does feel like time. a play, yeah, like it's it's shot on play. Um, look, there's only and and I guess there is. I mean, she was a real person. Mm. I don't know that this is a true story that happened. I I don't believe it It'd is based on, but it's it. You know, she was a real singer, and you know, um, but you know, you go. What happens is. Not happy, certainly, but at the same time, it's um, it was you kind of see it coming too, a little, and, yeah. and and uh, but look, Chadwick Boseman's amazing. The world they create, that record studio, you know, the Jewish guys who run the record studio, who are kind of crooked, yeah. and you know, all stuff. Um, it really adds up uh, to something special. I think, uh, really, definitely unique movie. Chadwick Boseman, give him the award. He's unbelievable. I really liked it. I agree on all that. I I had actually had it on my honorable mentions, but it was just right there. Yeah, everything you said, Chadwick Boseman. You know, I think there's a tendency to always say this about people in the arts when they die, because I do think about like what would Heath Ledger be doing right now. Mm -hmm. But I think Chadwick's going to be another one of those because I saw him in Black Panther, obviously in Avengers and a few other things. But this blew me away. It's complete. It's a very dialogue heavy role. Mm -hmm. It's a lot of lines. A lot of acting that he has to do, but he's brash and cocky, but likable. You know, um, as far as the movie itself, there's the symbolism of that alley door that won't open and then it opens. We can talk about that. Well, you know, you're rooting for Chadwick Boseman. Totally. You're rooting for him. Totally. And so if you if if you feel bad at the end of the movie, I think that's the point. You feel betrayed. I think maybe. that I think that's the point. You're disappointed, you're and disappointed. you're going, yeah. You're literally you're so invested in him making this record and becoming a star. You know, you, you want him, even though he's cocky. You want him to learn from his elders. Yeah, learn to respect his elders, and yet be part of this successful thing. I think I didn't really care for Ma Rainey as a character anyway, but when she crossed paths with Chadwick, yeah. I really didn't like her. Nah, well, I so mean, like, I, on his she's side. not supposed to be likable. No, I she's mean, not. she's supposed to be. She is another stumbling block uh, for him to get what he wants. Exactly. Uh, you know, because I think there's there's some dialogue about you know, this person was somebody's backup trumpetist and now they're doing their own thing and that's what i want to be i don't want to be the you know it's almost like the comedian that doesn't want to be the mc they want to be the headliner and it's like no you you do this first you got to start where you You, start you're humble you take your talents make her a star and then hopefully that works for you absolutely you know and And, and this movie had a a real classic movie trope that i think it's overlooked it's the the wide-eyed dreamer you know i'm gonna have my own band and i got my my new shoes and and he was just he was so much. He thought of him. He built himself up as so much bigger than he was. Mm-hmm. And I love. He was creating his own legend yeah. in the context of this right. movie. And I love that. Yeah, yeah. It's really great. Uh, it is on uh, Netflix. So if you want to watch this one, it's nice and easy to watch. And he's, it is. you know, Chadwick Boseman. He also uh, had the Five Bloods that came out this year, yeah. uh, which I didn't like as much as a movie. And he's good in it. That he's good in that movie as well. Um, uh, but yeah, he, you know, it's, it's a shame we won't see him in anything else. A major shame. And you also, I think one other thing when you first put this on, if you only know him, uh, from Black Panther, when you see how much weight he lost, yeah. uh, you know, and that was from his illness, uh, it's kind of shocking too. I, I think in the, in the Avengers Endgame, I was like, when he comes out at the end, I'm like, God, he's yeah, small really. there. I'm like, what the hell? Yeah. yeah, poor guy. All right, let's give us a number nine, Jason. Okay, at number nine, I had the movie Let Him Go, 
starring okay. Kevin Costner and Diane Lane, who consequently are also Superman's parents in the okay. DC universe. <laughs> I, uh, I don't know if you saw this one. But I didn't. I heard about it and heard it was good and didn't get a chance to see it. So. You know, try not to judge a book by its, its cover, but when I saw the poster... You know, it's just like the floating heads of Costner and Diane mm-hmm. Lane. I'm like, is he let him go? It just sounds like a, yeah. you know, like a older married couple drama. But it's actually kind of a heartfelt revenge thriller. There's some okay. really violent yeah. stuff in there. But Wait, is it present day? I think it's the it's I think it's the seventies. Seventies, okay. yeah. The 70s. And what I like about that, I always like this. When you can take a movie that could be set at any time, mm-hmm. set it in the past so that you can't just have cell phones be the yeah, bailout right. yeah, for everybody. Yeah, you got to. Yeah, but basically the premise is that uh, Diane Lane and Kevin Costner are a married couple. Their, uh, their, their, uh, their son dies. The son's wife uh, remarries and takes the grandson. Mm-hmm. Well, the people they take him to kind of are, I don't even know how you would describe them, you know, scary hill people, not quite... <laughs> But, you know, I don't know where they fall, but they're bad. They're yeah. bad news. And it's kind of about, you know, their marriage. In a lot of movies like this, you see the marriage disintegrating. But what I love about this is their marriage only gets stronger as the movie goes on, which I love. And so it's kind of about kind of going in to save the kid from this crazy family. Mm-hmm. And there are some really shocking yeah. scenes in this movie. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I did not get a chance to see this, but I should see it because, uh, yeah. you know, Kevin Costner, when he's good, he's great. He is. And he's not always great. He's not That's always true. good, but That's he's, true. he's, uh, apparently this is good. And Diane Lane's been around forever. She has. Doing lots of good stuff. Uh, sometimes it's smaller movies now, uh, you know, but, but uh, she's really good. So I, I should see this. Super yeah. talented. I know you're not allowed to say this anymore, but she's absolutely gorgeous. Yeah, I don't care yeah, how old she yeah, is. Yeah, I know. Fucking she, beautiful, she man. She was, uh, was it uh, Outsiders and Rumblefish? Yeah, going she was way in, back. Yeah. Even in us. Was that her in Streets of Fire? She was the singer. That's going way back, yeah, too. Yeah, yeah. Diane Lane. Love All her. time great. Yeah. <laughs> Let's talk about... Uh, so I'm giving you number nine from my list. Okay. Documentary. Yeah. Okay. This is an actual documentary. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and this... Uh, now, again... Is this, is this, I believe, is more of a, well, it says it's a, you know, I, I Google this to get the director name and everything. They have it as a 2020 movie, but I think it came out uh, for rental and stuff in 21. It's called Some Kind of Heaven. Yeah. This is a documentary about the villages in Florida, which That's is right. the world's largest retirement community. And he follows around some of the residents of the villages. I believe it's his first time director named Lance Oppenheim. Um, who shot this movie a very interesting way. If you rent this, you're going, why is this not widescreen? It looks like an right. old movie. Uh, and it turns out he shot it on 16 millimeter, which is more of a boxy uh, frame. Right. And he just decided to leave it that way. He didn't want to crop the top and bottom and make it wide. So you're seeing this crop. And, and uh, this villages, for those of you who don't know, and you can certainly Google what the villages is, it's this giant... And, and it's actually, and then they tell you in the movie, you know, it's not even a gated community. It's just, right. you know, uh, this connected subdivisions of, you know, kind of these track, kind of quickly sort of built homes. Yeah. All very similar to each other with these sort of fake town uh, town squares <laughs> in them. And, you know, they have like a Chili's and they have sort of chain restaurants. But it's also just, you know, we go in, we have a band that plays at the town square People can drive their golf carts around this community. They don't need to get, you know, there's, you know, and there's schools, there's supermarkets and all that stuff. Right. But it's really just for senior citizens 
to hang out, play pickleball, go swimming in the pool. And you follow around some of these characters. One guy, uh, not unlike Nomadland, lives in his van. Right. He's a real old guy who was sort of on the rock and roll scene in the 60s. I'm not sure exactly what he did, but yeah. he, you know, he wants to make you think he was in the Beach Boys or something. <laughs> you know, he's got that vibe going for him. You know, sure. he was a Laurel Canyon kind of character, you know. Everybody was, yeah. Right. So, uh, uh, you know, you see him and he's trying to meet an old uh, a widow and to take her money, yeah. which is very interesting. And yeah. you see that there's villages police who are kind of on his trail because he's sleeping in his van and uh yeah, you know they don't like that behind uh, a shop or whatever yeah uh then you have the uh you know the lady who uh again another widow and she's looking to meet a guy and she meets a, a nice fella who is a jimmy buffett parrot head <laughs> right and you see this this lady who's you know in her 70s has to become a parrot head to hang out with this guy and then there's another couple where the husband this is a married couple where the husband now, at his old age, has decided, I'm going to get experimental with drugs. <laughs> and you watch him, uh, you know, goes hang out in the villages and does cocaine. Yeah. Which is unbelievable. <laughs> so, it really is. Uh, and you see the consequences and you see the strain on their relationship. Um, again, slice of life documentary. I was going to say, yeah. Uh, you know, really beautifully shot. I think that I don't know if the villages look good or bad. I guess it depends on the lens with which you look. You could look at this and go, this looks like a life I want to have for myself. Right. When I get old, I'm going hanging out in the villages. <laughs> or you could look at this going, God, let's hope that's not us. Yeah. Um, but, man, it was moving. I really cared about these people. I and a- I was sympathetic to them and uh, trying to, you know, understand, you know, addiction. Mm-hmm. Uh, and loneliness, mm-hmm. all of those things that, you know, y- you see that depicted uh, amongst young people, but here it is amongst the older people. And, you know, we t- already talked about Relic, and I think we'll talk about some other movies where growing old is really the main story here and what that does to you. Uh, this is a beautiful documentary. I had it in my honorable mentions, yeah. and I think a lot of what you said is really resonating. I don't want to get too crazy deep here, but I think a theme that we're seeing in a lot of these movies this year, one, obviously aging, but also sort of the, the artificial version of the American dream versus the real American dream. We talk about these facades and, you know, whether they're really, really living in this dream place or if it's Mm -hmm. phony. Um, And I think you see that with Nomadland. I think there's another documentary, which I don't want to mention right now because I don't want to spoil it. But I think that's sort of, we're at a place in time right now in America where I think everybody's kind of questioning, you know, is what I have what I want and will continue to want, or am I going to go for something else? In Nomadland, everybody kind of like downgrades and goes for less is more. And you have another version where people are going for something a little bit more glamorous. So uh, I think if you look at it that way, it's it's great on its own. But I think when you pair it up with some of these other movies, Mm -hmm. you get a really strong thematic presence mm. kind of going through well, this year. I, I think people think of and probably move to the villages thinking this is the destination. My journey is over. I make it to the <laughs> villages. That is my destination. Right. And then I realize the journey continues. Oh, of course. And I don't think it ever ends. Right. And I think that you really learn this. You know, there's a lady takes an acting class. Right. You know, it's like you're in acting class in your 80s in the villages and you're, you know, and well, it's, but it's, it's interesting. It's exciting uh, to see that, uh, People have that opportunity. So, I, and I, I think also, I think if I was a Villages 
a guy who ran the villages or developed the villages, I think I'd be kind of pissed at this movie. Yeah, I'm sure. But it's real. Yeah. And that's what happens. We, you mentioned um, doing these things later in life, and we have people in stand-up that oh, we yeah. see, and yeah. I think it's great. We got Larry. We got Larry. We got Larry. And Larry, there was like a, a, a Larry 2.0 and in another in Bill's class. Yeah. And I think it's great. Yeah. You know, whatever. Whatever makes you I, happy. I'd watch a Larry documentary. <laughs> you may, you may uh, want to film a Larry <laughs> I may want to make the yeah, Larry. Yeah, why don't you make, make the Larry make documentary? Make the Larry documentary. There's... If you come to, to see our show uh, on uh, April 14th, you're going to get to see Larry. Is he going to perform? Who is, uh, I believe Larry's, is Larry 80 years old? I, would. I, I believe he is. And he's got a big giant beard. He does. And sometimes he shows up and he's half in the bag drunk or high. <laughs> At one point, he's, I said, Larry, why are you late? And he goes, well, it was the, I, I'm going to. I'm making up the thing, but he goes, he goes, don't blame me. Blame the cosmic crush. And I go, what is the cosmic crush, Larry? He goes, that's a strain of marijuana. And I go, oh, my goodness. We could also say he wasn't late for that class. He's early for the next <laughs> one. He's a, he's a good man. He's funny, too. Larry, Larry is such a funny guy. He, he was, was, he was really an funny. attorney in his real life. And, uh, was he really? Uh, yeah, he was an attorney. I didn't know that. He's got the gift of gab. Yeah, he does. Larry. He's, uh, he's a funny guy. But, yeah. you know, you see Larry trying to become a successful comedian. And he says to me, and he says, you know, uh, I said, well, Larry, you know, you got to work, you know, maybe a year, uh, you know, maybe in three years you'll be a feature. He goes, I don't have three years. There's a sense of urgency. <laughs> there definitely Get is. me on that freaking exactly. stage. Yeah. All right. Give me a number eight, Jason. What do we got? Okay. So at number eight, this one was a little confusing. Tom, I think it was meant for 2019, yeah. but it saw wide release in 2020. Yeah. I saw it at the beginning of the year. It's called The Lodge, the horror the movie. The Lodge. Didn't see it. So. Yeah. It's been a while. Gosh. Very dark, atmospheric uh, let's see. Husband and wife, two kids. The wife dies. Husband takes up with a new woman. Mm-hmm. They go and spend like a winter in this cabin. And then the dad has to go away for a while. So it's the stepmom with the two kids. And a lot of really dark, scary, atmospheric things start to happen. Mm-hmm. And not your traditional bump in the night or serial killer type of horror movie. But if you like things that are a slow burn and, you know, compelling drama and family issues and all this difference in symbolism you will definitely like the lodge it has a killer soundtrack too of just terrifying noises that you would never want to listen to at night and uh yeah so that's my number excuse me number eight the yeah, lodge, the lodge. I, i'm i'm reading about the lodge here yeah and it was uh it was released by neon so yeah. uh, kind of an indie horror thing yeah it was yeah. uh I remember seeing the trailer and just feeling really compelled to see it. It was like probably two weeks before, the, around the time we did this last year that I saw really? The Lodge. Okay. And I remember thinking, i got to mention that next year. Yeah, I have not. Uh, Alicia Silverstone shows up, apparently. That's right. I think she she might play the stepmom, if I remember yeah, correctly. Okay. I don't know. Riley Keough, she's been in a few things. I don't recognize uh, Richard Armitage, I know. But, uh, yeah, okay. Maybe Alicia is the mom. I don't know if it's a death or a divorce. It's been a long time, but well, yeah, really good cool. stuff. Yeah. yeah, The Lodge. I did not see it. Again, I'm not a big horror movie maven. Oh, it's, all, it's all good. But, you know, when people tell me, you know, again, I, my feeling is I'll watch any genre if I hear it's really good. Right. So I'm not afraid of a, a really good costume drama. Me neither. I generally hate them. Musicals. Because I don't think they're good. Or I'm not. Yeah, a really good musical. Uh-huh. You know, La La Land, I thought was amazing. I love it. Love, love, you know, La La Land, yeah. but. 
not every musical, you know, hits me or I find good when I watch when I do watch them. If I don't find them good, you know, so horror movies, um, I think that horror movies are very interesting in the last maybe five years or last decade because people are taking them in different directions and sure. they're not slasher movies and they're not Friday the 13th. It can be just, you know, an old person, you know, the Babadook, your kid's book comes alive. Right. And, you know, some of these other things, a Midsommar. Rel- oh, was yeah. a, I mean, that or- was incredible. Incredibly crazy, or you know? relic, you know, relic, a, you know, yeah. Dimension. So, yeah. I, I mean, uh, different approaches to horror, other than you know, we're locked in a house and a guy's trying to get in and kill us. Right. You know, I mean, Get Out and Us. Yeah, you know what cool. Jordan Peele's been doing. I like Us. Uh, you know, those those are cool movies too. So, I think horror is reinventing itself, and I think it needed to, to be reinvented. The so. last, the last kind of wave of horror movies was like Home Invasion. Yeah, and those movies really do scare me because right. that's one of my yeah. biggest fears. Right, and, and the found footage stuff, the paranormal activities, kind of had their moment. They and did. The, again, I think Host is the exception to that, but I feel like those kind of getting pushed out a little bit but uh cool the lodge all right yep. i'm gonna give you a number eight movie this is uh this is one of the big movies now this was if you want to talk about what was uh, a theme in the 2020 movies and i think for good reason and i don't know if it was i don't they certainly i don't think the timing of it means they were in response to this but you know in a year that black lives matter became if not the biggest story, the second biggest story next sure. to, to, to COVID. Right. Uh, you know, black, uh, the black experience on film, mm-hmm. both in documentary form and in feature films, uh, a banner year, I think, for that. We already talked about Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. There were tons of documentaries about it. I think the very, you know, even the Five Bloods, uh, yeah. kind of, you know, that was Vietnam. Uh, this one, I thought, was the best of all of those, and it's at my number eight. It's Judas and the Black Messiah. Yeah. Which, uh, if you uh, acted quickly, you could have seen on HBO Max, because <laughs> uh, it was one of those movies that was going to be in the theater. Warner Brothers said, let's put these things on HBO Max, but they only last a month. Yeah. So you got to get on those quick, or you go to the theater. I think you saw it in the theater. I did see it in the theater. Yeah, I did. Uh, You got to see Godzilla vs. Kong. I got uh, three weeks to see that one. (laughs) uh, It goes away. But uh, Judas and the Black Messiah, uh, uh, an incredible story of uh, uh, the Black Panthers in Chicago in the 1960s, and how a man who... um, was was caught stealing cars becomes an informant for the FBI. Yeah. And uh, you know, you have those crooked FBI guys, that Hoover FBI. They're the villain in all of these movies, oh, yeah. aren't they? Yeah, they are. Uh so uh but ultimately I think what really makes this I mean, I know you're going, well, I don't know if I want preachy, you know, uh the white guys, you know, suppress the black guys. I don't want to watch something like that. This is really a cop movie. This is really is. a mob movie. It's it Donnie Brasco. It's, you know, the the informant undercover trying to not get discovered. I'm, That's a lot of what this movie is. I mean, it has all the real uh, Fred Hampton stuff in there. But I think it really works great as a, you know, undercover cop movie. It does. It's really one of the best ones I've ever seen in that way. Um, just so much. And it's all real. Yeah. And that's what's great about it. And, of course, you know, great acting. I mean, I, I want to say, you know, it was some controversy that both there's like two lead male actors yeah. that are both in best supporting yes. actor. Yeah. Uh, Daniel Kaluuya and uh, Lakeith Stanfield, who were, you know, from Get Out and Sorry to Bother You and a bunch of uh, other stuff. Knives Out. Yeah. Knives Out. So, I mean, these guys are, you know, you might know these guys from other stuff, but they're both amazing in this movie. Yeah. Um, I will also say that I, I am proud to call the writers of this movie. 
uh, acquaintances of mine, certainly nice. guys I worked with when they played the Comedy Castle, the Lucas Brothers. Nice. Comedy duo wrote this movie that's not a comedy, and it's yeah. awesome. So I don't know if you're a fan of the Lucas Brothers, if you're listening. Do you know their stuff at all? Uh, a little. Because I really didn't know their stuff, and they were booked to do you know one night at the Comedy Castle. I think it was a Sunday night. And, uh, you know, they were on Adult Swim with some stuff. Yeah. And, uh, you know, they had this presentation where, you know, they had two stools, two mics, and the projector screen. And it was lots of clips of their shows, and they would talk about it. And I'm watching the show, you know, because I'm the guy running all the clips because right. I'm, you know, going behind the scenes. And I'm watching all these clips, and they're all funny. And they love Bret Hart, the wrestler, and <laughs> I love wrestling. And I'm like, I love these guys. These guys are awesome. <laughs> yeah. And they're really nice to work with. Sure. And I was like, man, I hope these Lucas brothers blow up. Good for them. Well, now they're, you know, they're nominated for uh, Best uh, Screenplay. A well, well-deserved. So, well-deserved. It's a really cool movie. Uh, again, don't be afraid of the, you know, it, it, I don't think it makes you feel bad. And I say that, no. not that there aren't awful things that happen in this movie, but I don't think it's a feel-bad movie. I don't, I don't say it's a feel-good movie either, but it's a cop movie. Uh, at its at its core, and that's what made this. I think that's what elevates this from just being an historical drama to, you know, even if you know how it ends, even if you know this story, uh, the tension is unbelievable. So hats off to everyone who made it. I completely agree. That was actually my number one. Uh, oh, that's your great. number one. Yeah. I'm sorry. No, for, no, not at all. I'm sorry for stealing your number one. Not at all. But, uh, you know, yeah. you mentioned some of the movies you compared to. I thought of like American Gangster, yeah. Serpico. I mean, yep. things that undercover. You know, in a year where all these things are going on, and some of these movies are nominated, especially Judas and the Black Messiah. Mm-hmm. And I know, you know, there's a tendency maybe for the mindset to be well. If that movie wins, it'll be it's just pandering. And well, how will they ever know if they're really the best? There was public pressure to make this is to me this is the best, and everything any accolade it gets is completely deserved on yeah. its own merit, yeah. without attention to any kind right. of right. And, and they must have made this before Black Lives Matter, obviously. And and so I don't think it changes any. Yeah, I think this yeah. is the same story. And I didn't I didn't know the story, so I was compelled going in just to hear about it. And I, you know, I love Jesse Plemons as the, yeah. you know, the the, right. the Fed. He's, he's exactly, kind of, you know, he's ev- exactly what you want. You got a movie that takes place in the fifties or sixties? Get Jesse Plemons because yep, exactly. he looks like that guy. He does. Yeah. He was in Fargo and yeah, the show yeah. and everything. But yeah, incredible drama, incredible tension. I won't spoil it, but but the the things that you learn during the credits about the real people, what happened after, yeah. really took my breath away. I, I mean. The, the weight that this person who was an informant must have carried through his life for the things that he did. Mm-hmm. Some of them, I mean, you know, for the greater good, some of them maybe not. I don't know how a person could live with some of that, and yet somehow he did until he didn't. So Yeah, it's, uh, I will say, <laughs> a small knock on this movie is Martin Sheen as J. Edgar Hoover did not work. But no. aside from that, I mean, he's in it for five minutes. Like, what, was, what was that? Yeah, they put like a phony nose on. Martin Sheen has always been, and maybe this is why they wanted him, because Martin Sheen was always like a Kennedy. He was always, you know, I think he played JFK in a famous. A good uh, kind of semi-liberal Yeah, but he's Democrat. always like Bobby. I think, he, I think he's probably played Bobby and John Kennedy at this right, point. Right. So you kind of, to, to see him as, as Hoover was maybe a little bit of a, a refer, referential. Slightly, uh, slightly distracting. But not yeah, I, I kind of was like, what's with this? But, yeah. I mean, this whole cast, I'm looking at it right now, just unbelievable stuff. This guy, Algie Smith, uh, who was, plays, uh, you know, one of the... Uh, Laurel shows up in this. I mean, this is... This, it's it's quite a movie. It's... it's um, 
I mean, I, I think you will be sort of on the edge of your seat suspense-wise, and then the message is great, too. So it works on a lot of levels. I When I think of, like, a best picture, I always think of something that has a big scale, a big scope, and maybe there's some historical significance mm-hmm. to it. And you're right to categorize this more as a cop movie than anything yeah. else. It yeah. really yeah. is. Yeah, yeah. you watch this, uh, and you watch this as a cop movie, uh, it's great. It's just unbelievable. It and, really and, is. You know, the fact that it's true and it, the fact that, uh, you know, just makes it all the more powerful. Yeah, it really does. But, did. you know, without that, I, I think some people would, you know, it could be kind of a woe is me biopic. And it isn't. Not at all. Uh, we'll, we'll get to a what was me biopic in my worst movies of the year. And th- there wasn't any, I think, forced emotion. Like, if you remember way back when Spike Lee did Malcolm X, he throws in a Rodney King beating at the yeah, end. And yeah, I just remember that yeah, kind of yeah. took me out of the movie. Yeah, I, I, yeah, there's, yeah. there's a tendency for some of these, uh, and Spike especially, yeah. to take what's happening then and... You know, beat you over the head with this is happening now. They did that and, at Black Klansman yeah, too. Yeah, yeah. and and it's, Harry Belafonte. It's, it's, it's uh, sometimes you just feel like you know people can make that connection. Exactly. You know, I feel in a way that sometimes you're also dating the thing. Agreed. Your people are going to look back at this in twenty years and go, "Okay, you're drawing these connections here," but we can make those connections ourselves. Exactly. Yeah, it doesn't need it. No. All right. Uh, so that was my eight. So you got to give us a seven here. Yeah. At number seven, I had a movie called The Way Back. Starring Ben Affleck. Oh, yeah. I meant to see this one. Oh, no problem. That's I good. mean, it was. I remember this one coming out and Gavin like it was right before. Right before. Yeah, right yeah, before. yeah. Right. Yeah. Essentially, you know, he's a high school basketball coach. He's uh, gone through a divorce. Really, really down and out alcoholic. But you know, there's a lot of tropes that would follow a movie like that. You know. And, you know, he gets sober, leads the team to the championship, and everybody's good. And it just doesn't fall that way. It never feels cliche or contrived. And I I never really understood back in the day why people didn't think more highly of Ben Affleck's acting ability. He is absolutely fantastic in this movie. And I think had it come out a little while later in the year, maybe he'd be looking at some type of nominations. It really did... He, uh, it was very critically. It was very highly. Yeah, replaced. it was. I remember being highly acclaimed, and yeah. it, it came out right as the pandemic was hitting. Yeah, uh, and so I never really got a chance to see it. But yeah. uh, no, I mean, like I said, but it's so it's not. I mean, because a sports movie, he's a basketball yeah. coach, and yeah. uh, but it's not what you typically think. It's uh, not Hoosiers, yeah. you know. It's right, not. Yeah, yeah. It's not that. It's um, take some different directions and. Will hit home for people that struggle with addiction, but mm-hmm. I also think you know it's not without a sense of hope and a sense of redemption, yeah. which is great. I think I think this movie too uh, was getting a lot of mentions because uh, it was Affleck's way back. You know, yeah. Affleck has kind of been not doing well uh, career-wise, and I think he's also had some alcohol and gambling issues and things oh, like that. Oh, that's right. Yeah, real and, life. Yeah. And uh, so I think the movie had a lot of parallels with his real life. Yeah. And uh, I think people said, you know, that's why it's so good. He's, you know, he, he won, they won well, the producer, I think Argo won Best Picture, so he would have gotten a yeah, producer yeah, Oscar for yeah. that. Then he kind of went up and down. Then yeah. I thought he was a great Batman, but DC's kind of screwed up their yeah, universe. Yeah, and yeah. It's good to see him kind of back on the map. Yeah, he, it's so good for him. I mean, look, yeah. we all know Ben Affleck can, can be a great actor. Absolutely. Uh, but he's not always in, uh, has great material to work with. Agreed. And, uh, this is one of his good ones. All Absolutely. right. I'll give you number seven here. We're yeah. going back to the realm of documentaries sure. for my number seven. Uh, and this is a film. Now, <laughs> I've talked about this on the show. There were two documentaries 
both excellent on the same topic. And they were both about the murder of uh, journalist Jamal Khashoggi. Yes. I went with um, this one. Um, maybe this is the louder, more brash version of that story. Uh, but I chose The Dissident yeah. for my number seven. Uh, now, so this this director, I should, again, I should have this up here. Let me get it here for you. Uh, so the murder of Jamal Khashoggi, which, you know, is a well-known story, I think, at this point. Um, he was a, a famous journalist in Saudi Arabia. Um, had some criticisms of the kingdom and its government and its yeah. leaders, uh, ended up having to leave Saudi Arabia, became an exile in the United States, got a job with the Washington Post, uh, was very critical of the kingdom uh, in Saudi Arabia. He ended up moving to Turkey because a lot of the Saudi dissidents moved to Turkey, he moved right. to Turkey, fell in love. And was ultimately invited to the Saudi embassy, where he never returned from. Yeah. And he was murdered there. Um, a guy named Brian Fogel made this movie. Mm. He made a movie called Icarus a few years ago about the Olympic doping scandal in Russia, which uh, won Best Documentary that year. And it was awesome. That is on Netflix if you want to see that. Uh, but the dissident, and, and the reason I talk about, uh, I mentioned this instead of Kingdom of Silence was the other documentary that okay. came out about Khashoggi uh, this year. The, the, I think the take is a couple of different uh, things. Here. Kingdom of Silence is an excellent telling of that story. It really is. It's yeah. a great telling of the story. Yeah. Where the dissident, uh, I think, differs is that, one, it goes into some of the cyber warfare yeah. that took place on Twitter. Uh, between you know the 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 kingdom the the crown prince is the bad is the villain in these right uh, and trying to get yeah. everything to to trend on Twitter and, and he sort of got this the bees which were his yeah. his uh, his Twitter bot uh, which is not bots it actually was people sitting in a room right you know trying to uh, you know get out the disinformation campaign and how Khashoggi enlisted the help of other dissidents to fight that campaign. Which you know, So that was an interesting take that is not in Kingdom of Silence. And I think the other thing was the reaction to the murder yeah. and sort of the way the other countries started to impose bans on Saudi Arabia, mm -hmm. uh, you know, and those kind of things. And Kingdom of Silence sort of ends with his death yeah. uh, in a way. So this kind of goes a little deeper. And then the other thing with this, I talked about my subwoofer firing off during <laughs> Tenet. Tenet. <laughs> it is unbelievable that a documentary would be have such an active soundtrack and be as loud. It's, and, and it's almost distracting it's to very, a point. It's very active. I mean, where they really are like trying to ramp up uh, 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 the... Uh, you know the tension with you know this soundtrack uh, yeah. was unbelievable, but it but it was effective. I mean, it really is a powerful story, and it really is an awful story. And uh, I think the dissident does not pull any punches. Uh, it, it certainly is is the documentary that uh, you know with with the two documentaries telling the same story. This is the one that really is trying to punch you in the nose and get your attention. Definitely, uh, and it did. It was fantastic. And and again, I might have it this high because. I think this story is so important Yeah. Uh, where, you know, a documentary is not just, uh, you know, sometimes what it's about makes it mean a little bit more. And I think The Dissident is uh, just such a powerful story. So, yeah, uh, there it is. I agree. I had it in my honorable mentions. Yeah. And, you know, I knew the, the general story about this gentleman getting killed, but 
you know, he was, I believe they said in the movie, he was at the embassy to get papers to the marriage papers. Yeah, he was trying to get a marriage license with, uh, <laughs> now, now uh, this is not brought, I think the dissident overlooked this, but he, he had a wife in America, uh, which, no, they, which I, th- I don't know if they mentioned that or they, not. They, yeah. There's more of that in Kingdom of Silence because okay. that wife took part in that one, the American wife. Okay. But the the Turkish or the, the the wife that resigned in Turkey is in Kingdom of Silence is in Dissident but not Kingdom of Silence. The other wife is in Kingdom of Silence but not the Dissident. Some of the other people are the same in both. In Didn't he have a family in Saudi Arabia too? Or is that or are we talking he, about the American? They, he split with, split them with them when he left and then found a wife in America. Before this Before one. the wife in Turkey, and I, I they ignored that. that they the did incident. ignore that. Okay. But that if you see Kingdom of Silence, you'll actually meet her. Okay. Uh, which, which, you know, goes to sign of tarnish Khashoggi's reputation slightly. But again, the fucking guy got his head cut off in an embassy. Right. I mean, how, you know, he was still a good guy. Oh, he still absolutely. was doing the right thing. He was. And did not deserve to die. Not and, and you know, uh, but yeah, and, and, you know, the details about his murder, much more graphic in The Dissident as well. So, yeah. Right. Something that, that Jamal said in that movie that really resonated with me, he mentioned that whenever you reach a point where you're afraid to speak up, then freedom of speech dies. Mm-hmm. And one of the things as a former English and public speaking professor, what I hear people say, this always bothers me. I hear them say, well, freedom of speech doesn't mean freedom from consequences. Yeah. And I fucking hate that saying because it's like, well, to an extent it does. Yeah, I mean, I mean it, you know, it, yeah, I mean, it, what is free? I mean, it, it's it's the you know, you can't yell fire in a crowded theater unless there's a fire you know i mean you you uh, incite riots you can't incite riots you can't incite violence and that those kind of things sure um but yeah i mean it's like um this this saudi arabia you know you got to look at this place and go you know how tied in are we to them and is that a good thing and You know, yeah, strategically, you know, with Iraq and the Middle East, you, you want them on our side. But, I mean, those people do not believe in American values, at not least at some all. of them. Not at all. At least some of them. And, and the ones that do get punished. Going back even to 9-11-01, I remember hearing that like 16 of the hijackers were Saudis. And I'm like, yeah. oh, so we're going to go to war with Saudi Arabia. There's no fucking way yeah. we would do yeah. that. There's yeah. no way we would do that. It's, so. uh, <laughs> it's definitely a very complicated situation, I think, that... Uh, uh, what we've seen, uh, you know, with his murder and the reaction to it, and, you know, and, you know, a guy like Jeff Bezos, who owns the Washington Post, right. uh, did a great thing by going to Turkey for the memorial. He did. And, and he didn't have to, uh, putting himself <clears throat> perhaps at some risk personally I was thinking uh, about to that. go there, but there he is in the movie, so good on him. Absolutely. All right, give us a number six, Jason. What do you got? All right. Uh, let's see. At number six, I had Promising Young Woman. All right, Promising Young Woman. So when I first saw the trailers to this movie, I thought, well, this is Me Too the movie. Yeah, This is going to capitalize on that specifically. And I think to call it that really sells it short because I think it's so much more than that. I think it does suffer from a little bit of an identity crisis. Are you an exploitation mm-hmm. film? Are you a dark comedy? But maybe it can be all of those things. Yeah. But I think you know people probably know the basic premise: a girl, you know, was was uh, wronged in some way by a guy. Not like he broke her heart, but you know, I don't want to ruin anything. But it's something that happened to her friend, mm-hmm. and um, this is kind of her journey to kind of understand that 
and to the trailers would make you think that this is just a revenge. Like mm-hmm. I thought it was Dexter. I thought it was female yeah. Dexter. <laughs> yeah. And it's not quite that. And um, I think there's one good male character, and it was Clancy who played her father. Clancy Clancy Johnson, the yeah. actor. And you know everybody else is sort of like even when the guy's good. Yeah, Bo Burnham kind of plays yeah. kind of the, the good guy and right. is courting her and, right. and you're, with I, not much success. No, <laughs> but, you know. At a certain point, there's this great scene where they're dancing in the drugstore mm-hmm. to a Paris Hilton song. And you're like, is this guy going to be, yeah. he's going to disappoint us, right. isn't he? Whatever. But And then a very uh, uh, shocking ending. But yeah, like, yeah. Carrie, Mulligan, Carrie Mulligan, I love. She's uh, a great in this. She's absolutely phenomenal. And and strangely enough, this sounds almost twisted to say, but I found it extremely entertaining. Yeah. It was fun to watch. It's, it's fun to watch in a way that you think this topic wouldn't be. Yes. Uh, it's really great that way, yeah. You got anything else on this one? or can I? Well, I'm just going to say, you yeah. know, I hear, I've heard a lot of guys say, you know, oh, it makes me ashamed to be a man. Fuck that. The thing yeah. is, I don't know any guys who behave in that way. So when I see those kind of guys get taken down... Hey, I'm cool with it, man. Yeah, you know, like yeah. I, I don't really mind. I don't think you're you're seeing a movie where it's unjust or the mm-hmm. wrong people are being punished. There's some yeah. bad guys. Yeah, and you know? and you know, look, I'm not uh, saying all women should do what she does. No, because obviously it's very risky and yeah, very dangerous. Danger, and, yeah. and you know that does rear its head at one point in the movie. Um, but I think one of the things, by the way, it's my number one movie of the year. Awesome, it's my favorite movie. There, I stole your thunder. Yeah, favorite movie because you know what. <laughs> It is a serious issue, and Me Too is, you know, mm-hmm. still in, in the front of a lot of people's minds. Uh, but it is, you know, you can watch it as a fun movie. You can. You can watch it as, oh, this is just, you know, a girl getting revenge on bad guys. Yeah. Uh, which it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, Carrie Mulligan's amazing. And I think we talked about this once, because we, we, me and Jason have these conversations sometimes, <laughs> not on the show, about movies. And I said, because uh, I think you hadn't seen this yet. And I said, well, one of the things that it does so, so wonderfully is that it takes these very, very likable, well-known oh, right. male actors, <clears throat> and they're the bad guys. Yeah. And so you've got McLovin in there. You've got, you know, the guy from Detroiters is in there. I forget his name. Um, uh, Schmidt is in there. Yeah, the guy Schmidt from, from New, New Girl. Girl. What a great guy. Schmidt's such a lovable character on New totally. Girl. Not in this movie. Oh. The guy from Glow. Yeah. Not yeah. Uh, Mark Marin, but the, the announcer guy from Glow. Who, right. You know, not the hero in this movie, let's say that. And uh, so. Douche fest. Yeah, it, it's, it's, they take all of these likable people. Uh, and make them the villains, which I thought was very smart because you could get the smarmy looking villainous guy to be the guy who tried to rape Carrie Mulligan. Right. Or do you want it to be McLovin, you know, a harmless simp, you know, do you, you know, it's, it's really a really smart decision that they made it in is. this movie because uh, it, to do it that way. It blows the cover off of that facade. Yeah. Like, oh, this guy looks harmless, mm-hmm. so he must be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, obviously right. to the contrary. Yeah, it's uh, it's just, and it's fun in a way that you wouldn't think it would be. I, I, I'm sad that, you know, the theater wasn't bigger. Yeah. Because I felt like this would be a movie that a lot of couples would go to. Yeah. You know, date movie, kind of that adult, uh, almost like modern day fatal attraction. Sure. Or, or uh, uh, what's the, what was the, uh, 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 what was the movie where Sharon Stone spread her legs? Basic instinct. Basic instinct. It could be a modern day. Uh, <laughs> imagine what I, what I remembered about that movie. Um, 
Well, the guy from Seinfeld's watching. Yeah, uh, yeah. What's his name? <laughs> yeah, licking his lips. Newman. Like a, probably sweating. Yeah. Creep. But, you know, yeah. I mean, I feel Newman. like this was could be that movie where people would watch it and have a conversation about it after. Did you uh, and, your, and, and your lady watch it? Yeah, too? oh, yeah. She liked it a lot. And my wife yeah. and I watched it. We yeah. both liked it. She liked it a lot. I mean, this was one of those movies that sort of came on right at the end of the year, mm-hmm. won a lot of critics' awards and that, and sort of got dumped in with... You know, some of the Nomad Land and some of the movies that came out right at the end of the year was like, oh, I got to see this one. And I was sort of like, I, I was like, I can't wait to see this. Can't wait to see this. And uh, it, it lived up to the hype. Uh, it did. Very, very good. Uh, I think, you know, we'll, we'll get it to in a second. But, you know, Carrie Mulligan, uh, you know, I, I guess I could see it. I, I find it hard to picture another actress doing this. She's that goodness. She really is. Yeah. What was that movie a couple years ago with her and Michael Fassbender? I think they were brother and sister. He was like a sex addict. He had a lot of full frontal. I don't think I ever saw that okay. one. Okay. I'm yeah. going to look that up. Yeah. Well, she, <laughs> But she's been in a lot of great stuff, and she's sort of, uh, you know, I mean, I think for years and years it was like... Uh, is that Carrie Mulligan or Michelle Williams? And you go, it's the same bitch. Yes. But no. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, you would, yes. people would say that. Those are the people I got uh, confused. But now I think uh, Carrie Mulligan is higher on the totem pole. I don't know. Who cares? Uh, Michelle Williams, Manchester by the Sea. I think she either won or was not. Yeah, I mean, so whatever. But yeah, I mean, they're both They great. were both sort of these actresses who sort of could look somewhat similar and probably were competing for a lot of the same yeah. roles. And Carrie, I think, is British. Yeah. So she's got that Yeah, so, it. but, uh, yeah, Promising Young Woman, it was my favorite movie of the year, so. Absolutely. What can I tell you? So I had, uh, I had uh, uh, Herself at six. Okay. Which means you can give us a number five. Sure. At number five, I had Mank. Mank. So Mank is the Mank. Uh, story of a... Hollywood screenwriter yes. in the 19... Is it the it's 50s? Yeah, 40s. No, 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 no. This is uh, the late 30s. 30s, excuse me. Yeah. Well, Mank, Mank worked in the studio system uh, for a long time. Yeah. But, um, you know, I think the events of this movie, it's the late 30s at yeah. this point. Yeah, I see old Hollywood and I would automatically think 50s for some reason. But, yeah, I mean, this is uh, a little harder to digest. It, it wasn't entertaining and fun to watch. But it was beautifully shot. I actually, there's a, a movie with a similar theme from a few years back with Brian Cranston called Trombo. With, uh, Trumbo, yeah. Trumbo. Yeah. Uh, similar movie, uh, similar themes, kind of set closer to modern times than this one was. Yeah. But, you know, I actually had to double check, and this is a David Fincher movie because yeah. it was so, it was the most unfincher David Fincher movie. Uh, yeah. Long and boring, definitely. Yeah. A F- slow burn. Fincher, another one of my favorites. Definitely. Yeah. But I'm beautifully shot. Uh, Gary Oldman, it's just the thing I was saying about him earlier. It's like when you become so good that one of your best performances you could almost say was pedestrian, yeah. you know you know you're at a really special level. So I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed the history. And Amanda Seyfried, I just completely fell in love with her. Yeah. Just that yeah. old Hollywood glamour. Oh, she's perfect. I mean, she, she really looks, you she, know. Like she could have been in those movies in the 30s. And you know? the thing is, I, I thought that about her anyway. So yeah. when I actually put yeah. her in that, I think that's yeah. great. But, um, you know, not so. It's the screenwriter who wrote uh, Citizen Kane, for mm. those of you that aren't familiar. Yeah. And it kind of deals with some of the it's uh, political really the, issues. It's really the making of Citizen Kane. It is. Told from his perspective and then sort of in a greater way his life and sort of where Mank ended up. Sure, and the political stuff of the time with Upton Sinclair running for... Mm -hmm. Now, who was it that played uh, Orson Welles in that movie? You know, let me take a look because he's great. Yeah, I mean, Orson Welles has been... uh, I want to think, who's the actor that normally plays Orson Welles? There was a guy, (laughs) Oliver Platt. Yeah, They get a lot of times, but no, this is... uh, 
The guy who was Orson Welles was a guy named Tom Burke, who I haven't don't really recognized from okay. stuff. But, uh, but yeah, Charles Dance plays Hearst. Uh, you know, uh, Ben Safers was Marion Davies. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, well, keep talking. No, can. that's pretty much it. I yeah. mean, there was, uh, I'm trying to think, you know, all of these movies, these kind of nominated movies have that big, what I always call the Oscar moment. Mm-hmm. And for this one, it was be Gary Oldman at the dinner. Yeah. Kind of telling oh, yeah, everybody yeah, yeah. what's yeah, what. Yeah, and then yeah. I think he throws up or something. Yeah. I it's mean, funny. he was, that was his reputation. Right. He was a kind of a muckraking uh, yeah. guy. And, and also it goes to, you know, in the studio system, they didn't get writing credits. Right. And that's a lot of sort of his struggle here is, um, I'm going to write this movie for you, Mr. Wells, but I want credit. I want credit. And, you know, uh, Citizen Kane is considered, you know, the first modern movie in a lot of ways. Yeah. It, it sort of was a movie that uh, was, uh, you know, it was the first sort of Hollywood movie that you would consider uh, an auteur movie, meaning yeah. the authorship of that film. You know, movies were made by studios, and so the director and the writer uh, were not always the. It was really the producers who drove these ideas, came up with them, cast them, and everything. And by the time you get Citizen Kane's, it's Orson Welles' first movie, and he was famous on the radio and he was famous as a playwright and an actor. But with Citizen Kane, it became, I am making this movie. My name is. I'm directing it. I'm starring in it. You know, I'm putting my stamp on it yeah. uh, in a way that people hadn't uh, done to that point. So you know, in a lot of ways, you know, Citizen Kane is the beginning of what movies became. Yeah. Um, and it is, you know, the story of Citizen Kane. Here's, okay, Mank is not in my top 15. Okay. I, I had my list of runners up, and it was on my list of runners up. And then I went like, there might be a spot for this on my worst list. And let me explain. Okay. I agree with everything you said about this movie, how beautifully shot it Ooh. is, the performances okay. are unbelievable in this movie. Uh, as someone who went to film, I feel like this is a movie... That is made for people who went to film school. Okay. Which, that is me. (laughs) And I still didn't give a shit. Really? Yeah, I didn't give a shit. I didn't give a shit about this guy. (laughs) I mean, look, I feel like you really need to see Citizen Kane to enjoy this movie. Yeah. I think if you don't know Citizen Kane or the making of this movie, I think it's all going to fly over your head. Yeah. I think they didn't make it clear what Hearst's deal was. Yeah, they did. Uh, They really, I mean, but again, it's assuming you know who Hearst was. Right. It's assuming you know Citizen Kane. It's assuming you know about the studio system. It's assuming you know, uh, maybe this is even a thing for you where, like, why is this movie shot this way? Why does it look like sure. this? Because it's shot in the style of Citizen Kane. Right. The flashbacks are taken from Citizen Kane. Totally. Yeah. Uh, it's all, you know, the lighting and that. Now, they did shoot this widescreen. Citizen Kane was, was 4 3. Yeah. So he did make that concession to modern filmdom. But it's shot exactly like Citizen Kane. It, it's, it's like. If you don't like Citizen Kane, you won't like this. If you don't know Citizen Kane, you won't like this. Sure. I'm kind of going like. I mean, I appreciate the effort, but it, it sort of felt like a Fincher vanity project as yeah. I'm a super Citizen Kane fan. I'm a super Orson Welles fan. Mank is this guy who was still sort of unacknowledged, and so we'll make this movie. and we'll prop him But I, I don't yeah. feel like after you see Mank, you, you really have that sense either because he's p- portrayed as this alcoholic troublemaker. Right. Which I'm sure he was, but was he a brilliant writer? Of course he was. So to me, I just go, this is a movie that no one's going to care about. I'm, it, I'm, it's great that it's on your list, <laughs> but I also feel like, who gives a shit about this? And I also feel like I'm a little bit like this with these people, too. 
Netflix. Mm-hmm. You're throwing money at these directors. Yeah. Take this money, make whatever the fuck you want. Right. That hasn't worked. Right. There is something to be said for you having a studio executive I going, agree. you know, no one's going to make this. No one wants to watch this fucking make movie. I was just going to say Can you that. make it for $20 million or do you got to spend 150 I was just going to say know? that. Like, who you is know? this made yeah. for? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who's the audience? Scorsese, you want to make The Irishman? All right. It's got to be, uh, you know, it's got to be two hours and five minutes. Right. Oh, you can't fucking do that? Well, fuck you. You don't get to make it. Netflix <laughs> goes, make a three and a half hour thing. Right. Yeah, make Bobby De Niro. Yeah, you can do embarrassing CGI. Spend a billion dollars on that. Go ahead, do that. Yeah. You know? Uh, what's the guy? Corone, the guy who made uh, the Mexican director, made Roma. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Make, make a three-hour fucking thing about your, your, uh, the maid who had to clean up dog shit at your house and pour <laughs> the fucking shit on everybody. Um, Go ahead and make that movie that was awful. Make these things that without... There is something to be said, and boy, I sound like the biggest sellout in the world for no. saying we're making this movie under some constraints, and we're taking input, we're taking notes from executives who have experience making great movies, right. and instead you're saying, make whatever the fuck you want, get as <laughs> self-indulgent as you want, yeah. we trust you, you're going to bring all these awards onto our thing. And even though I think Mank got the most Oscar nominations, I don't think it's winning. I don't think it's winning in any category. It's kind of cool. On the other side of that, I think there is something to be said for, hey, I wonder what David Fincher would do yeah. if you just gave him whatever yeah. he wanted and just yeah. made his movie. But I, but I, I, I hear what you're saying. Yeah, I mean, again, I liked Mank. Mm-hmm. I didn't love it. Mm-hmm. But on one hand, I hated it because I'm like, man, Fincher could have made some cool movie and instead he made this. And, well, you know, he, you know, his show, Mindhunter, yeah. which I love, is canceled now because yeah. he's just like, I got other things to do. Yeah. It's like, fuck, why'd you start? That movie well, show was it, so it, good. Yeah, I never saw that, but a lot of people said the same thing. They awesome. really like Mindhunter. And they, but, you know, sometimes they, uh, especially in television, uh, side with Netflix, and it's another reason I don't like them, is that <laughs> if it's really expensive... They make enough to where if you want to watch Mindhunter, you go. There, right. There's two seasons of it, maybe three seasons two. of it. Yeah. So there's two seasons of it. That'll be on Netflix forever. Right. So if you want to watch Mindhunter, it's there. You don't really need that third season. It's there. Oh. It's same thing with Glow. They had Glow. So good. They made their seasons. They said, we made enough of this. It's fine. And then you watch some of the stuff like my girlfriend watches on Netflix, these like kind of teenage shows and some of these, and they just, they look like shit. Yeah. They clearly didn't spend any money on these things. <laughs> you know, they're, they're, there's too many episodes. They're too long. I mean, Netflix is like, I, I think Netflix has a real problem. I mean, I look, I think there's a certain percentage of people that don't care. Yeah. They're going to watch. That's what they have. They sure. don't have cable. They don't subscribe to Hulu. They don't get HBO Max. They don't give a shit. Right. And then I look at HBO Max and go, that's people who give a shit. Yeah, oh, yeah. And you watch their stuff and you're like, you know, HBO for years and years. Why were they good? Because they had these executives who were making the decisions to make these great projects. I mean, they're always de- and, they're always demonized, yeah. but there's a lot to be said for their input. Right. And, and and I think Netflix trying to be, you know, we're so friendly to filmmakers, we're just going to pour money on them and, you know, it's like, yeah, Netflix is super successful. Uh, but, you know, for me, if I go, if you tell me this is a Netflix original, I kind of go, okay. Now, look, there's stuff that they would have been in the theater, and they buy it, and they put it on Netflix, and that's fine. And sure. that was, you know, that was that piece of a woman movie. Right. But I think Mank was one of their from-ground-up projects, and I just go, 
didn't work for me. Sure. And and look, it he made this movie for me, and I'm like, nah. No thanks. Yeah, no thanks. You can have it back. I'll watch something else. <laughs> All right, Mank was your number five, Jason, so yes, i got to give you a five. Right on. Which, uh, again, a documentary, mm-hmm. going back to that pool. By the way, this documentary, and none that we've talked about so far, were actually nominated for Best Documentary at the Oscars. Oh, that's a shame. Yeah, we'll get to those, because yeah. I did see all of the Oscar-nominated documentaries. Yep. Uh, but I really enjoyed this one, and then look, oh boy, now I realize what I've done. I've shit-talked the shit out of Netflix, <laughs> and now I'm throwing a Netflix Ooh. movie on there, which, my, look, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom was Netflix, yeah, to their credit. I, but again, I feel like that might have been something that could have been... Uh, I don't know. I don't know what the, the genesis of Ma Rainey was. No idea. Uh, but anyway, let's talk about this. This is a documentary on Netflix. It's excellent. Again, kind of the themes that we've talked about. Elderly people, that kind of stuff. So you probably know what I'm going to yeah. say. But Dick Johnson is dead. Yes. The number five movie on my list. And, uh, I mean, so this the lady Kristen Johnson is the director. And she's not directed, I think, documentaries in the past or whatever. Mm-hmm. But she uh, decides to document her, her uh, elderly father who is uh, starting to show some signs of senility. He's unable to do... He's a therapist, right? I think yeah, he's a psychiatrist. Psych- psych- and uh, he's unable to do his job, so he has to retire. She wants him to move in with her and her family, uh, which he does. Uh, but part of her methodology for dealing with the uh, <laughs> imminent loss of her father, yeah. at least in her mind, is to... Kill him on a film. <laughs> right. That's <laughs> it's funny. a very odd premise for a documentary. Uh, so you see part of the movie, and I think the way that they really marketed this was like, let's show different ways to kill. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think the one that's in all the marketing is they're dropping, you know, he's walking down the street and the air conditioner falls on the, his head. Yeah. Uh, but splatter. there's other things. I'm trying to remember the other ways that the, he falls down the stairs at one point. <laughs> that one. Which, was... you know, they show, they, they cut to a stuntman. They show. Dick walking on the stairs. Thought, yeah. Get through something. And he somehow, doesn't he have his throat cut on the street oh, or something? Oh, yeah. Or that was... Or he, got, he got hit by a bus. He got hit by a bus. Yeah, he got hit by a bus. they had like a funeral, which was... Yeah, and then they there's a funeral for him that they do. weird. And then, you know, they do... Uh, here's Dick in Heaven, and they show they what like Heaven... A, like a music like. video. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's a really uh, moving uh, thing. Uh, uh, again, very unusual. Not a typical documentary in this sense. Um... But to see that, you know, Dick was, uh, you know, cool enough to play along oh. is really amazing. To Coolest. see that, that father-daughter relationship Coolest. is really moving. Um, and to see him, you know, have a sense of humor about mm. his mortality. Yeah. Uh, and to face death in that way yeah. uh, is not something you see depicted on film a lot. Um, you know, I think you'll, you'll laugh. You, you're, you'll cry. I remember Layla watching this and just sobbing. Oh really? Just sobbing, and, and, and again, what part? Uh, you just, know, by when it was over. But yeah, you know, just uh, and, and again, yeah, it's. I, I don't want people to watch this and go, "Oh, okay, I know how this is going to go," because it maybe doesn't go that way. I don't want to no. ruin it, but um, man, what a what a thing, man! What a what a weird, uh, you know, heartfelt, uh, amazing movie that. Um, 
you know, I mean, who can make this? I mean, you have to, you know, you'd have to have been a filmmaker, have a father in this condition, right. have the conceit. And, you know, they're spending money on, you know, effects people and stuntmen yeah. and, you know, the, the stuntman who dresses exactly like her father and has to, you know, they I think it, it isn't there a point where like he's walking the street and he falls and he actually did get hurt doing it. I think that yeah, happens he was like, at a point. He, they, yeah, he like bumped into the guy yeah, or something, hurt his arm. But um, it's quite it's quite a ride, this movie. And it is. Uh, I think if if you're if you're not afraid of watching something that's a little different, this really is one of the best movies of the year. And again, the Oscar said no documentary nominee for you. I don't know what their problem is. I noticed this is that terrific. Yeah. when you gave me the list of documentaries yeah. and then you gave me a, a separate list, I thought, yeah, yeah. well, Dick Johnson's got to be on both these lists. Yeah, and it wasn't. Yeah. But it was on. They had a thing called the short list where they narrowed down to fifteen. Okay, and it was on the short list. And yeah. I think, uh, like, I think the dissonant was on the short list and some of these other ones, but it just didn't. Uh, it didn't make the top five. When I excuse me, when I when I started watching it, I mean, I got the premise and I got this sort of dark humor, but I did wonder, like, is this okay? Is this is this exploitative? Like, is yeah, he, yeah, is yeah. he able to consent right, to this? Yeah. Like, but then, God, what a. I forgot about that because what a cool guy, man. Mm-hmm. What a fucking great, great guy. Yeah. And I think it, another part that would be important to mention is that his wife, the, the young lady's mother, died mm-hmm. of a similar yeah. memory loss. And yeah. They talk about her a lot. But you know what? It's sentimental, but not in the way you think it would yeah. be. You yeah. Know? Um, yeah, this scored big points for me, too. It was very enjoyable. Uh, God bless Dick Johnson, honestly. I yeah, mean, what a, I what mean, a cool guy. It's... Uh, it, it's Kind of this one of a kind, one of a time thing, you know, it, that you couldn't make this. You it can't, seems like you know. the year for it. And you know, notice too, like when and, he and, and I think it might feel more exploitive if they did not have that uh, father daughter relationship. That's what you kind can't of just it. find an old guy and say, "Hey, we're going to do this." <laughs> yeah, because then you'd really feel like you're taking advantage of somebody. I'll consent to yeah. it, um, but. You know, well, there's a point where he, uh, as a therapist, I think he he messes up like a, a, pa- a patient's appointment or something, and his reaction instead of being that sort of angry, you know, stereotypical, oh, I can't remember anything, he just sort of like laughs about yeah. it. And I just, I know it gets like kind of cliche, the triumph of the human spirit in the face of mm-hmm. danger, but it really, guy really is admirable. Yeah, I mean, really well, hard not he, to like. He him. moves from this suburban Seattle home. Right. To like this apartment in New York, New York City, City yeah. which is like really not meant to hold as many people that are living there. I guess what I wonder, like, is this really what you want to do? With yeah, this guy? but I, I, she did. And that's good. Well, I think that's where her studio was and thought that she could make this film with him in New York. But uh, I'm watching this going, this is not the place for uh, Grandpa to be. God, but, no. Uh, and then there's, there's that point where I think she says, um, like, he came out in the middle of the night and like at three in the morning, and he you know he's getting dressed and didn't know what time it was and everything, and that's the the absolutely tragic side of dementia and memory yeah. loss. But they make it where you know you can laugh; it's okay. Yeah, yeah. you know, life is better when you laugh. Yeah, and and you know, uh, I think because just because somebody has, I think one of the things about dementia, my dad is going through this right now. You know, my dad is seventy five, and to hear that. you know, I mean, he knows who we are and all that stuff. But I think one of the things is that. About him, and and something that I kind of take solace in is that he doesn't have the same worries that the rest of us do. He oh, he like can that. sort of you know go through life where he's you know he looks forward to having a meal with his wife, and he 
uh, looks forward to having visits from myself and my girlfriend. And he, that's a cool way you know, sort of, of looks at these smaller things in life and he doesn't really worry about Black Lives Matter. And he doesn't really worry about these things. And, sure. You know, he doesn't understand them. If he, even if they're on the television right in front of him, he sort of, you know, kind of looks at them and goes, well, all right, what are we eating? Yeah, you know, and, exactly. and I think that's a really great thing, you know, and, and he'll probably get worse where he doesn't recognize me and that'll be a hard thing to take. But um, I, I like to think that my dad is more Dick Johnson than uh, than uh, whatever the other option the alternative. is. Yeah. Because, Anthony Hopkins. Uh, yeah. And, uh, well, the father. We'll, we'll, I guess we're talking about that soon. Aren't yeah, exactly. Keep teasing that one. Yeah. But yeah, if you, if you, if you like something that's a little different, Dick Johnson is dead. Uh, we'll hit you right in the feels for sure. Absolutely. That was my number five. What? So you you gave me Mank. I don't know. Have we switched? I, I think you got to give us four. I give you four. At, yeah. So my number four was Minari. Yes, Minari. About the classic USA immigrant story. It's uh, yeah. They don't specifically say the year, but they mention Reagan being president. It's the 80s. So it was yeah. the 80s. Yeah. And a Korean family who has been in the United States for a while. They've been in different states, but they come to Arkansas to be farmers. There was a lot to like about this movie. I think that it was the classic American immigrant story. And what I really liked, I think the the stereotype of the ignorant Southerner is really tiresome. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there was definitely some cultural differences, but they weren't rocked by racism when they got there. Yeah. More or less, people welcomed them. Mm-hmm. And he has that great relationship, Stephen Yoon, who's in the movie, who's nominated for Best Actor. You know, he makes a friendship with this very, you know, kind of out there, God-fearing Christian Arkansas resident who fought mm-hmm. in the Korean War. Yeah. I thought that exchange was going to go differently, yeah. but they become friends. And I think that's really beautiful. It has a lot of your classic Oscar tropes, which we talked about before the show. Mm-hmm. I don't want to ruin it, but it's definitely a movie that seems made and ready for award season. But not only are the performance is great, the way this thing is shot, every frame looks like a photograph you'd hang up on your wall. Yeah. I absolutely was really taken by that and the family interaction and I loved it. So that Yeah, was my it's three. great. Yeah, it's it's actually my number three movie. So okay. yeah, we were so gonna we're pretty close. We're getting to this one way or another. But yeah, <laughs> Minari's terrific. Uh it, to me the heart of this movie is the grandmother and the little boy. Of course. That's the best part of this movie. Some I mean as much shit. as you uh there's not a human being on the earth who won't be entertained by oh, these two. I agree. I mean the time that they spend and the 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 the, the, the shit that bring pulls. me my mountain water. Oh, uh, I love that. Just one of the Whole best theater one lost of the best it. scenes of the year. Yeah. I see I wish I would have seen this in a theater. Yeah. Because I think you would have had that experience. People I really actually liked watched it. this alone because it was one that I told Layla yeah, maybe this one ain't for you. After Nomadland, she kind of written, kind of rinsed, washed her hands of Oscar movies, uh, and I was like, "Well, what this Minari supposed to be good?" But okay, maybe it doesn't go the way you want it to go. And uh, again, not unlike Sound of Metal, uh, I don't know if it has an ending and it just stops. I, I agree. Think it's a little bit of that similar because I think you want to see this family overcome. You want to see good things happen to them. Yes. And it doesn't always happen, but, but it may not be what you think either. Again, I right. think that's a good thing that a lot of these movies in our list is like, yeah, they're not predictable in the way that you've seen this before. Sure. And I think the story of what happened, because this is based upon the director's life, but yeah. it's not it's not a true story in that way. Yeah. But, you know, they were a Korean family who moved to Arkansas to be farmers. I think that's where the, the truth ends and the fiction begins. Sure. Uh, but, you know, that whole thing with, uh, you know, they bring in grandma and grandma's... <laughs> 
you're very skeptical of this whole plan uh, to to be farmers and uh, uh, you know sort of she is really you know in that fish out of water culture shock thing She's great of of trying to live in Arkansas and you definitely see that with the parents as well yeah uh, and the kids you know the kids go to school and they have American friends they do, and yeah you see their interaction. Um, but yeah, I could watch that little boy all day. The oh. little boy and the grandma. If that was the whole movie, that would have been a great movie all on its own. Uh, uh, but there is more to it, and there is more. You know, about Reagan's America. Yeah, you know, I mean, there's that. There's you know, poverty, uh, and and it's also I think one of those things that you know, uh, poverty is universal. Doesn't matter what your race is, right? And you see that here. You do. You know, uh, the Koreans, not, you know, people might think of, oh, Korean immigrants. Oh, you, you open a store. Yeah. You're rich. You know, yeah. you open a restaurant. You open yeah. a laundromat, whatever. And then you see these people and you go, no, they're struggling just like anybody does. Yeah. Just like the people in Nomadland or, you know, something like that. Uh, but yeah, really great emotional. Uh, I think this is you largely feel good after Minari. I, I, I don't think you feel bad at this. Uh, again, beautifully shot. I mean, oh. all of those fields. Yeah. And, you know, the land is dry. We have to enrich the land the with water. water. And how do you find water? And isn't that just a con? And then their water are they dries taking, up. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it, there's just so much in here that, uh, you know, it reminds you. I, I saw people, you know, that this is very uh, much like Steinbeck. It's very much 30s, Dust Bowl, yeah. yes. you know, Great Depression stuff going on. Totally. Because in the 80s, there really was, I think, the greatest depression since... Since the 30s was the early 1980s, you know, so, um, yeah, beautiful movie, uh, really one of the best of the year. It's, I think so far, it's the first thing that's really high up on uh, on both of our lists. So. Really happy for, and yeah. I'm hoping he pronounced his last name right, but Stephen Yoon. Who's, yeah, Stephen Yoon. You know him from Walking Dead, from Walking Dead but yeah. uh, he's from Michigan. to see him here, he's great. Oh, I didn't know he was from Michigan. I think he's from Troy. Really? Yeah, good. he is. Uh, good to know. Yeah. Uh, I have a couple of friends that have run into him and said, great guy. And yeah. so I'm always happy to see a local guy. And, you know, that that's a tough jump. To go from because a show like Walking Dead, who I still believe in and still like, yeah, you can really get typecast yeah, coming yeah, off yeah. of something like that. Right. I mean, Norman Reedus, he's going to do a spinoff after Walking Dead, yeah. but Stephen Yoon got out probably right at the right yeah, time. Well, uh, and and when you're looking for Korean American actors, I mean, there there are you know Randall Park and, yeah. and John Cho and some of these guys. Yeah, I think John Cho is Korean. I, I, think, I think he is. You know, so you have uh, maybe only a few. That can you can put their name on the marquee and it's going to mean something to an audience, right? And uh, I think they picked the right guy for this one. I, I mean, think he's terrific, and uh, yeah, and those other guys are great too. I mean, and whenever you see uh, you know Randall Park and something, he's always great. Yeah, he is. So, uh, yeah, Minari. That was my number four. That was your number four movie. Is my number three movie? Okay. And since that is my number, my number four was Sound of Metal. My number three was Minari, so you're going to give us a number three. That's okay. where we're at here. So number three is a movie I just watched this morning, which is the last movie I had to watch, <laughs> and I loved it. And it's called Another Round. Okay. And um, this movie, would this be considered a Danish film? Is this <sighs> They are, specifically... uh, I think they are from Denmark. It feels Swedish at times. Yeah, that's, yeah that's I, what I mean, I it, because it is, you know. Well, uh, I think they're singing about Sweden, not the school children. I, I, yeah, I, you know, I was, that was a thing that threw me a little bit <laughs> right. in another round. Was yeah. like, what country is this? It's Scandinavia. It, yeah. It's, let's call it, let's why, call... it's not, it's, you know, I don't know if it's Finland, Norway, Denmark. It's, like, but it's, it's the Midwest. It's yeah, Ohio, it's, Michigan. It's a, it's a, it's a region. 
And how do we pronounce the actor? Is it Matt Mads? Mads Mickelson. That's what I thought. I see. I had to be getting that wrong. But what a fun! It's really hard to explain. Yeah. At first, so basically, for those of you that haven't seen it, the premise is basically midlife crisis for a handful of teachers at a school, and they sort of start to blow off steam and relieve stress by drinking, but only to a certain point because one of them has a theory that the human blood alcohol level is too low. Some author did a study about a little tiny. I think it's point zero. They want to be point zero five all day long. Right. (laughs) Which means you got to have a a nice little buzz going. But then obviously you deal with issues of like, you know, uh, loneliness and uh, alcoholism. But really, God, uplifting. The final scene, I won't ruin yeah. it, but fuck, what? what? But that's it was great. So, well, that's was, one of the great scenes, again, when I talk about best scenes of agreed, the year. Agreed. The end of another round is one of the best scenes of the Can't, year. I'm like, for sure. wait, yeah, yeah, yeah. what? And I, especially from that actor, he always mm-hmm. seems like the Bond villain from Casino well, Royale. He, he's, he was the Bond villain from Casino Royale. Was, right. He was the bad guy in uh, uh, Doctor Strange. He was the bad yes. guy in uh, uh, Rogue One. He was oh, the, he was he was uh, Hannibal Lecter on the TV show Hannibal. Yeah, on Rogue One, I think he was the good guy. Though wasn't he? Uh, was he Jin the good Orso's guy? Father. Yeah, maybe that's what he was. Yeah, okay, yeah, great he was actor, the, the bad guy. But uh, Ben Mendelsohn was the bad guy. Ben Mendelsohn was, was the, another great actor. A, but, great actor. Yeah. But you know, a lot of the scenes in the school hit home, having been a teacher myself, mm-hmm. and the interaction with the students and the back and forth and the relationships you form. There was that. That poor little guy, the soccer player, Specs. Yeah, yeah. That cute little yeah. kid with the glasses who everybody kind of picked on. But, yeah, I think, you know, thematically it was midlife crisis. And, yeah. it, you know, I'm kind of – I'm around that age, so I <laughs> guess I can understand that. But, yeah, I'll let you take and tell me about well, this. I really loved it. Yeah, I mean, it, it's, it is – I think it is Danish by uh, – Danish film, okay. for, for one. Um, but, yeah, Mads Mikkelsen, if you, if you, again, we describe what he's in. I, I, I think, and I don't know, I, I'm saying this as a compliment, he's kind of becoming like the Nicolas Cage of Europe or something. Yeah. You know, and, I, and again, I'm not putting down Nicolas Cage. I mean, oh. people, all these, but, you know, he has that really expressive, weird sort of face. He does. Uh, and so you sort of like kind of go, you know, to put him in a weird situation really works. It does. Like, like it does with Nicolas Cage, who makes all these weird movies. And you go like, because Nicolas Cage has, gets that expression of sort of like, what the fuck is going on here? Yeah. And Mads Mikkelsen sort of has that face of like, I'm half in the bag all the time a little bit, maybe. Yeah. That sort of works for this. Um, I didn't have it in my top 15, even though I did like it. I think one of the things that I, again, when I think about do I uh, recommend this movie for people... Uh, is that even though it is a Danish movie, as I'm watching it, and with my film school background, I went like, oh, this feels a little Swedish right now. <laughs> it's a little fatalistic. Yeah. It, it has its moments of that. Of dark. Of darkness. Yeah. It has its moments of, you know, uh, the world is ending. And, you know, when you think about some of the Bergman movies, the yeah. classics and stuff that re- revolved around death and, you know, those kind of things, that's definitely there. The fun parts where these guys are blasted, having a great time. It's some of the funnest stuff of the year. I I fear for the American remake of this, which is almost inevitable to happen. Good call. Because you're going to have Owen Wilson and Will Ferrell and God knows who, Ben Stiller, Stiller, and it's going to become... Yeah, and and it's going to lose that 
element. God, that, that is such that, a good again, call. Well, I think it, it's the thing about it that maybe I didn't like was that element. But yeah, that somebody's going to make this movie, take out the serious part, and make it all about what it's like to be a little <laughs> bit drunk all the time. And, you know, of course, if, at some point, a little bit of a spoiler, but, you know, they go from a little bit drunk to a little more drunk. Well, of course they're yeah, going and, to, but, yeah. You know, but the interaction with the students great and stuff. all of that stuff is great about, you know, like... You know, his lectures are really boring. Yeah. Then he has a couple of drinks, and he's like the greatest oh, professor. He's the greatest teacher ever. All of a sudden, and, it's Dead Poets yeah, Society. Yeah, you know, it's, <laughs> uh, the, some of that stuff was really great. Mads Mikkelsen is, is really good. Uh, this movie, I think it's nominated for Best uh, International great. Picture, and the director is nominated as well. Yes, I saw uh, that. So, you know, it got some mentions, and, and it was cool. I'm glad I saw it. Definitely. Um, again, do I recommend this to everybody? Yeah, maybe not. But, I mean, again, the ending is terrific. Oh. I will tell you in my Googling, uh, Mads Mikkelsen has a dance background. I'll just leave it at that. I thought he yeah, had yeah, to have... yeah, it's so... It's something else, yeah. Uh, one real quick thing. You know, you mentioned Nicolas Cage and his crazy movies he's been in. Side note, you know what always bothers me about his remake of The Wicker Man? Yeah. Is that people think that's the movie The Wicker Man, okay, when yeah. the real Wicker Man I, I didn't, is a yeah. great fucking movie. Uh, yeah, he just... I think... I don't know how much he's bringing the weird to these movies. Right. Or if they're just weird. I mean, I think uh, the last movie that I really liked... I mean, I know he has the one now where he's basically uh, in a haunted Chuck E. Cheese. That's... Yeah. I haven't seen that one yet. I forget what that's called. Um, you know it's good. Willie's Wonderland, I think is the name of that one. <laughs> but if you saw Man Mandy. Uh, Mandy's oh, unbelievable. I love that. Mandy is like this kind of revenge movie. Fucking crazy. And uh, I really, really liked Mandy. I did too. Uh, and it's, again, over the top, Nicolas Cage. Nicolas Cage up to 11. It's like uh, somebody just said, be Nicolas Cage. <laughs> exactly. And they gave him the role. Yeah, so it's great. All right, so I, let's see. I gave you three. Was I guess I'm up to my number two if I go next. Okay. Yeah, because we've already done your one. Right. So uh, my number. In fact, this is the last movie on my list because we've already had Promising Young Woman as my number one. So then I would my have. number two movie mm-hmm. is called another documentary. I thought this was the best documentary of the year. Again, the biggest topic of last year was, of course, the worldwide pandemic. Yeah. And nothing uh, uh, hit me like totally under, under control. control. Yeah. It is unbelievable. Uh, it is on Hulu, as is another round. Another round is on Hulu, if yeah. you want to watch that. Um, totally on Control on Hulu is the story of America's response to the coronavirus epidemic. Yeah. And what you learn by watching this movie is that we made a lot of mistakes. Yeah. Now, the movie... Now, the, the quote, the, the, the term totally under control is a quote from Donald Trump going... We're totally on it. There's no reason to worry. It's totally under control. And we got the best people. We got on the it. best people on this. There's only like one case. There's one case. We've closed the border. By totally Easter, it'll go away. Jesus one will day save it'll us. Just, one day it'll just go away. <laughs> it'll just, you know. Um, and it looks at that. And look, were there failings by Donald Trump and his administration? Absolutely. Yeah. Were there failings by other people? Absolutely. Yeah. You know, a lot of this was just we didn't really know what we were doing. We were just guessing. Right. They do show a lot of what makes the movie powerful is the reaction that South Korea mm. had to the coronavirus right. uh, pandemic. You know, right. and they're they border on China or close enough, right? Mm. Uh, compared to America. And how they were able to really maintain this. Yeah. 
uh, and really stop. Now, I don't think it's completely gone in South Korea, but I think they, they did as good a job as almost anybody in controlling it. Because really everybody, uh, you know, New Zealand, they always say, uh, didn't have a problem with right. this. But, you know, everybody did. Uh, and it's not to say, you know, an indictment of Trump or an indictment of us, but we made mistakes. There were things we could have done differently. There were uh, approaches that we didn't take. And to see that all played out so well yeah, uh, in a movie was just unbelievable. And um, I had this con when I originally reviewed this movie on this podcast. Yeah. A fella named Ted Moss was sitting across from me and was very angry with me because I was talking about the failings of Donald Trump and how coronavirus was this giant thing. And Ted said it was just the flu and it really wasn't a big deal and blah, blah, blah. And he was very mad with me. And uh, I believe two or three weeks after we did that show, he himself got coronavirus. Oh, and, no. Yeah. And I felt bad. And Ted's fully recovered. No need to worry about Ted. Good. But I also. This pandemic, you're probably more likely to get it. Yeah. You know, because you're not being safe and you're not taking some of the procedures that we should hear. Did you ever feel um, like you LeBron James them like you dunked and then you stood, <laughs> o- stood over and pointed? But I, yeah. I didn't want to do that. When I heard no, he got, not. I mean, he sort of kind of stopped talking to me for a little bit. And That's a shame. When he got sick, I reached out and said, hey, man, I hope you're good, buddy. I hope you're worried. And then he shot back. Oh, man, this is just a cold. It's really not. <laughs> and it's like, uh, but you know what? You can't. You know, the sad thing is that some people get very, you know, the fact that this epidemic happened during an American election is one of those things that was probably the worst thing that could have possibly happened. Couldn't agree more. In an election year for yeah. this to happen. It got politicized. Uh, I mean, it, it became, uh, you know, arguments almost to the religious degree and still uh, maintains worse. that. Yeah. Um, with, you know, you look at, you know, the ballparks at full capacity in Texas. And, yeah. Uh, you know, no restrictions in Florida mandated any longer. Um, you know, you just go, these things were mistakes. And now we know that these things are mistakes. And yet we continue to do them. And, you know, this movie was made before. Uh, before the vaccines were available. Right. And so you did, they do talk about vaccines and do sort of give a timeline. And, you know, we have hit that timeline at this point. And right. I think we can look at, at uh, the, our response and that it has gotten better. Timeline is pretty thing. consistent. Yeah. And, and so, um, but we also, this movie should, is still worth a watch because what's going to happen the next time? Are we going to make those same mistakes or are we going to, you know, actually test the people? Uh, we all, I also watched documentary... Uh, Last night uh, on HBO Max called The Last Cruise yeah. about that uh, princess cruise ship that was stuck in uh, Japan. I remember that. Uh, and it was the, the biggest outbreak of coronavirus outside of uh, China. Cruises are filthy anyway. And uh, all these people were stuck on the cruise ship. Ugh. And you see all, all these people are interviewed for it. And it's actually a really nice, concise 40-minute documentary about what it was like to be on that cruise ship. And you saw that, you know... Their response was to keep those people on the ship, and people died because of that, and yeah. they, they did the wrong thing in that case. And we did the wrong thing in the early days of the pandemic here. Um, but this movie really hits you with how wrong it was. I learned so much. I mean, the, the Jared Kushner stuff in this movie. Yeah. Oh, my fucking God. Yeah. When you find out that the guy that we put in charge of, you know, uh, well, I think it was like to, to gather the protective equipment. Mm-hmm. They had Jared Kushner hire college students as interns. And it's like, what are you fucking doing? Yeah, Jared doesn't endure himself. Oh, a lot my to this. God. This, it's unbelievable. You want to. 
Yeah, it, it, this is a documentary that might make you angry. Yeah. But, you know, sometimes anger, you need anger because it fuels you to do better. And I think we have done better. And I think Joe Biden's done better. And again, I think Trump deserves some credit for pushing the vaccines and, you know, ordering all of these and paying for that. I think Trump also did a a very good job. I think Congress completely blew the, you know, screwed the pooch on this. But, you know, taking care of the unemployed. Yeah. I think Trump was very proactive in that way and deserves a lot of credit because that was I, you know, benefited from Trump's uh, unemployment plans, which were very good compared to what Mitch McConnell and the Congress was doing. I agree. Um, and, And so Trump deserves credit in that case. But I mean, this movie will make you mad. This movie will make you angry. And if you're somebody who believes coronavirus is a giant conspiracy theory or something, maybe don't watch this thing. Uh, it's not for you. Just keep believing what you're going to believe. <laughs> but uh, if you want to know the truth and what happened, Totally Under Control, I think, is, is one of the most important movies of the year for sure. And uh, everyone should watch it, and I think you'll love it. I know my when I put this on, Layla went like, oh. Oh, I don't want to watch. And she loved this movie. Yeah. yeah. I've had it in my honorable mentions. Yeah. I, there are a few takeaways from this. You know, there's three ways you can respond to pretty much any crisis. That would be proactive, reactive, and inactive. And I think that we fell somewhere in the in between the slats of those. Yeah. The thing that always blows me away with COVID and this documentary in particular, when 9-11-01 happened, for a few years after, everything was okay. Now we got to get ready for the biological attack. Yeah, yeah. So there's all these different things we're doing to get ready. So when this thing first started, I mm-hmm. thought, Trump, whoever's in office, we got this. Yeah. And then as the weeks unfolded, and it was just kind of what the, the movie follows, I was like, look, I people that are in charge know a lot more than I do, but there are just basic logic things yeah. that I think all of us could probably right. do better at. Yeah. And I think the movie does a good job revealing well, that. The, the the timeline was really the key. We didn't yeah. identify... Until that NBA player and Tom Hanks got it, we didn't think we had a problem. Yeah. And that's because we weren't testing. We weren't, you know, and it's the same thing that if you watch that last cruise, you know, you had to test the healthy people. That's the mistake that we made. Yeah. Is we didn't test right. the asymptomatic people. Right. And so we let the asymptomatic people spread coronavirus. Yeah. And the people that had symptoms were told you can't possibly have coronavirus. Right. You know, not only even not to tell the people, the people that did have coughs and did get sick, we went like, have you been to China? No. Okay. Yeah. You can't possibly, you know, right. we wrote that off as, well, you got a cold. You got a, you got a cough. Right. You know, um, and, and these people, some of them, most of them got better on their own. Uh, and some of them died. And, yeah. it, you know, um, just so many mistakes made. Hopefully this will be a lesson. I don't think it will be, but, yeah, um, you, you know, to, to cover this in the way that they did and to make it in such a timely fashion. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a bit of a spoiler, but the last thing you see as the credits start to play, it comes up shortly after production of this movie wrapped. Donald Trump tested positive for coronavirus. So, yeah, that's a, that's a cool movie. It's powerful and it's great. And uh, look, I could sit here and uh, talk about coronavirus all day, but we don't want to do that. We want to move on. Enough Corona talk for the Movie Mania show. Jason, well, there's only one movie left because we've already seen Jason's number one movie. Jesus yeah. Backside. My number one movie was Promising Young Woman. So you only have to give us your number two and then we'll move on. Sure. My number two was Bad Education. All right. Uh, another movie which I think was meant for 2019 but didn't see real release till 2020. Yeah, it was, H- it was HBO. Yeah. yeah. And another you know, great cast, Hugh Jackman, Allison Janney, 
and uh, Ray Romano mm-hmm. in a good role. This is essentially about um, this happened, I think, in 2001. It was a high school in Long Island that had the biggest embezzling scandal in uh, American history in terms of a school. And it's just another. Yeah, I, I love these kind of movies, kind of dark humor. Yeah, where these really fun, likable, charismatic people are doing dark, mm-hmm. sinister things underneath, and then ultimately, you know, their hubris right. catches and, and them. They're, they're, he's ultimately brought down by the the school newspaper. Which I was going to say, I love that girl. So yeah, yeah. They all found find her so fucking annoying because yeah. she's digging and did something completely unrelated, and those two those two roads converge. So mm-hmm. this was, I probably had the most fun watching this. Hugh Jackman. Really, it's not an over-the-top performance by any means, but he's really sort of flamboyant. It's, it's very broad and, yeah. and, you know, kind of this... I mean, and apparently the guy was this kind of larger-than-life character, sure. uh, you know, the superintendent. Yeah. You know, it's like you're the, the king, you know, it's like you're the king of this very small kingdom. You know, kingdom. Yeah. Uh, and it's like the arrogance of... The high school, you know, the, the, the school district. Well, he was the superintendent, right, of schools, or was he the yes. the, uh, the chairman of the board superintendent, or superintendent? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, you know, I, I, I see a movie. It's reminded me a little bit of Election, which was a great movie again oh, about yeah. sort of politics That's, at a high school, yeah. you know, election level. Um, yeah, I mean, but bad education. You know, again, I don't think this thing really even came out in theaters. But um, um, yeah, if you get a chance to see this again, Ray Romano is a great actor. I a agree. lot of people don't realize how good he is. I agree. He was really good on a HBO show called Vinyl a few years ago, which oh, yeah. only ran for one season with uh, Bobby. Uh, yeah, Bobby Cannavale yeah. and a bunch of people. A really great Scorsese thing, and uh, the the actress that plays uh, Geraldine Viswanathan is a really great young actress. She's been in a lot of cool movies. Oh, Oh, right, uh, yeah. She has some really dumb stuff. Like I think she was in Blockers and stuff like yeah. that. But she's been good in everything I've seen her in, even though uh, some of those things were silly. Was we should get. I saw. Uh, she's on a TV show called um, Miracle Workers, which a lot of people like. I haven't seen yet. Uh, but yeah, she was in the movie Blockers. She's been in a bunch of stuff. Um, but yeah, Bad Education. If you have HBO, definitely watch it. It's really a really cool movie. I think I watched that very early on in the pandemic. Yeah. And it was a lot of fun, man, a lot of fun. Yeah. Hugh Jackman's great. Um, You know, kind of. uh, How do I want to spoil this element of the movie? Uh, Yeah. A lot of people say, how's this? You talked about Ben Affleck in The Way Back. Yes. Some people think that Hugh Jackman. There's a little bit of the real Hugh Jackman in his character that he's playing. Oh, I know what you, yeah. And uh, I'm going to leave it at that. that and crossed, you guys watch the movie and uh, figure that out That crossed yourself. my mind when I watched it. Yeah, it's it. kind of like, always been that thing huh. that's been out there about Hugh Jackman. Who, huh. by the way, one of the nicest uh, people I've ever met in my entire life. Did you meet him? I met I worked on, uh, I was an extra on that movie, Real Steel. Oh, right. Which they shot uh, most of that here yeah. in, in Michigan. And uh, heard a good heard. friend of mine, a guy named Tori Atkins, who's a comedian, mm-hmm. Who's originally from the Detroit area? He's kind of lived all over the country now. Uh, was is, it kind of became a name actor? This comic, Tori. Tori, and he had very small role. Is like he owned the bull that the robot was going to fight right at the beginning okay. of that movie. And uh, so Tori had the small role, and I was an extra. And we're shooting out in like Highland Township somewhere out yeah. that way, you know, off M fifty nine. Yeah. And, uh, you know, they created a Texas rodeo, and we were all <laughs> the rodeo goers, and we were going to watch this big robot fights in the movie. Uh, and, uh, and I think it was the first day of shooting, and I'm waiting. Uh, you know, we're walking into the arena. You know, that was the scene. And the big white van pulls up. 
And who steps out of the big white van? Wolverine. Well, yeah, Hugh Jackman <laughs> in his robot gear. And I'm like, oh, my God, that's Hugh Jackman. Yeah. Right after Hugh Jackman gets out of the van, my friend Tori gets out of the van. And I go, you know, they were the tra- they took him from the trailers up. Sure. And I go, Tori, what's up? And I wave, and he sees me, and he, he starts walking over to me. And who, who's following Tori but Hugh Jackman? Nice. I'm like, Tori, great to see you, buddy. And we're hugging. And he says, hi to Hugh Jackman. I go, Hugh, how you doing? Good morning. He's like, hey, nice to meet you. Good guy. Super nice guy. I've heard that. And then uh, there were other scenes that they shot at the Kobo Arena. Oh, okay. And, um, you know, again, boxing scene, robot boxing scenes. And Hugh Jackman was kind of like in the crowd doing stuff. And in between takes... You're not supposed to do this as an extra, sure. but a lot of people did. Just ran up to Hugh and would ask him questions about movies and stuff yeah. like that. He answered all of them. He was like super, super. Like I didn't bother him again. You know, I mean, sure. my friend Tori introduced me to Hugh, so yeah. I was like, okay. But I watched the way he interacted with these these zealot uh, extras. Yeah, and he was just super cool, class. Yeah, he was real classy and, and you, came off real nice. Did so. you catch it? Was it Evangeline Lilly in that movie? Yeah, she did was. Did you in see that- her? I think she might have only been on the set one day with me uh, because, you know, in the boxing scenes, she uh, was sort of in the crowd. She was right. in, like the front row. And so we're at Cobra Arena and she was like across the arena from me. And that's as close as I got to Evangeline really. Yeah. Yeah. yeah there you go. I, I did spend a day on the set with Emily Blunt. Oh, you it's another son story. Of a, yeah. another story. I love Emily For another Blunt. day. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, we've done our top 15 movies each. There it is. God, what was our uh, composite thing? Judas and the Black Messiah, Minari. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, uh, the Promising, Promising Young, young woman. woman. Yeah. yeah. Those are all great. Yeah. And I think, you know, what I've seen on your list, you know, Mank, I'm kind of, you know, but hey. That's okay. Oh, by the way, I, you know, I, I reached out and said, hey, does anybody want to contribute to our list? I saw that. And uh, a guy you... Uh, a guy we know said Mank was his favorite film of the year. I think I know who this Matt is. Matt Kahn. My man. Yeah, Matt Kahn's a funny comic. My brother and, Matt Kahn, yes. And Matt went on about Mank, and I wrote him back, thank you very much. Yeah. Uh, listen to the podcast, because <laughs> then he'd get to hear my opinion on Mank. And then he went off on Die Hard, and I have a whole day of messages between me and Matt Kahn talking about Die Hard. Matt was, uh, I was telling him I was going to do this, and he was like, well, what movies did you like? And I ran down a few and then he just writes me this one word response with a question mark. Mank? And I'm like <laughs> and I'm like, Yeah, also Mank. So, I respect Mank. I didn't like Mank, no. but I respect Mank. No, I promised Matt that I'd give him a shout out. Hey Matt, I love you, brother. Yeah, we like Matt Kahn. Good Absolutely. good comic and nice guy. Absolutely. Uh you want to do your runners up? You want to just go down your list here? Anything we didn't cover? Yeah. Uh, absolutely. I mean, I don't know how long it is, just give me the highlights, whatever you want to do. Sure. I had uh Extremely Wicked and Shockingly Vile. Okay. Is Zach Efron playing Ted Bundy? I didn't see it. Okay. I had Gretel and Hansel, which is the uh Turned inside out, children's story, dark, bad version. Did you see that? Didn't see that. Either. Okay, no problem. Okay. I had, um, I think you did see, if I know you saw this, Robin's Wish. Well, Robin's Wish is great. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 That's my, I have a list of great documentaries, and it, it, I, I flirted with putting that in my top 15. Did you? If you haven't seen the story of Robin Williams and uh, his disease and what he had, I had no and idea. And I also liked the way it was Ben Stiller. And, uh, you know, the people that made those Night at the Museum movies talking about yeah. how they knew he was ill and they had they kept it secret and they never told anybody. Said the whole crew, nobody yeah. ever talked. Yeah. Never knew that story. Uh, yeah, that was that was really cool. And his wife, you just feel for his wife. So I know. Much what a champ, movie. though. Yeah. yeah. And uh, the last two I had uh, Trial of Chicago 7. Yes. Very good. Good and, movie. And, you know, could have been in my top 15. Uh, really well done. Yeah. I think it fell short of great, but very good. Yeah. And uh, an honorable mention to probably. 
probably just on pure ambition. Zack Snyder's Justice Justice League. I just watched okay, it the other yeah. day. Four hours. Yeah. My buddy Josh and I watched it. Not perfect by any stretch, yeah. but really get what they were going for. The problem is now DC has screwed everything up again because now which one is <laughs> which one is the multiverse? Come on, Jason, get you with it. You do that. I There's a really care. cool. Uh, yeah, the Jared Leto's Joker makes a, a little appearance. Yeah, I, you know, cool I stuff. didn't see that. I never saw the original. I'm I'm planning on watching that at some point. It's good, in my man. Life, it's so. they, there's a, uh, a black and white version too. So you've got options. <laughs> oh my goodness, Justice is great. They will not let the nerds rest. They will they not keep pumping stuff out. <laughs> uh, all right, let me give you some runners up here that we haven't talked about. Sure. Um, well, we didn't talk about the father. I thought the father was going to come up today. <sighs> well, I mean, best picture nominee. Best picture nominee. Yeah, yeah but the father, uh, Anthony Hopkins, has dementia, and yep. you know. We talked about dementia, it's and, the year. Uh, and you know Olivia Coleman plays his uh, his his daughter. Um, I think the thing about the father that's an interesting take on it is, you know, I kind of go, okay, Anthony Hopkins has dementia, his wife, his daughter's taking care of him. That'll be the movie. They they almost, I almost felt like this was like a Kubrick take, right. on dementia because they actually use it to create suspense. Right. About what is real and what is imagined in his mind and where does this go? And this movie is more of a thriller than you might think. It is. I mean, I think it is what you think it's going to be, but yeah. then it's got this whole thriller element kind of built into it. So I think that's cool movie, almost man. trying to, it was like we talked yeah. about Memento, trying to replicate the experience of yeah. having dementia to yeah. the best that you can. Yeah, it's really good. Uh, the Father, everyone should see. Uh, Kajillionaire by Miranda July. I don't know if you're a fan of Miranda July. She's only made a couple other movies, but. Uh, this one was cool. It's about family of grifters, uh, including Richard Jenkins and Deborah Winger plays the mom. Right on, Deborah Winger in twenty twenty. Yeah, I was going to say Evan Rachel Wood is the daughter, and they're they're very they're these eccentric. Everybody in a Miranda July movie is eccentric, yeah. by the way. But Miranda and uh, they show uh, you know them trying to pull off all these scams. Then they meet an interloper who. Uh, becomes part of the family, but do they really want her part of the family? Okay. It's a really interesting, very weird movie that I liked a lot. Sounds like something I'd like. Kajillionaire. Yeah, you should look for that. I don't know where you... I think you had to rent that one. I can track it down. Uh, there was a movie called The Nest with Jude Law. I forget the actress that played his wife. It was a oh, great uh, movie. Yeah. I was certain this thing was going to be Oscar nominated, mm -hmm. and I think just because of how it came out, it was only video on demand and yeah. uh, didn't get... But basically, you know, a family... Uh, lives in America, have a, has a great life. The husband decides, uh, the father decides, I'm going to take an opportunity to move back to London with my family, take this job. Turns out that job is kind of a scam. Mm -hmm. It kind of blows the family's fortune, and the wife gets her revenge. I'll leave it at that. Right. Very cool movie, though, The Nest, Excellent. if you want to watch some good. I Care A Lot, I enjoyed. That yeah. was a Netflix thing that, with yeah. uh, Rosamund Pike. Yeah. That came out uh, not that long ago. It was very good. Was I think Netflix original? Might have been, but again, I don't know if they just picked it up picked or if up. they produced it. Sure. Um, but it, again, really good production value in that, in that movie, too. Really cool looking and stuff. Peter uh, Drinklage. Uh, Peter Drinklage. <laughs> Drinklage. You know, I think here's a guy that I think is overcoming the whole, oh, he's the small yeah, guy actor. Yeah. He's just a fucking good actor, good actor man. Yeah. He's great. Good actor. And good he plays villain, a real, yeah. But yeah, he's a, plays a good real villain. badass. Uh, what else we got on? Save Yourselves was fun. Mm -hmm. uh, me and Layla talked about it on the last show. That's the indie sci-fi hipsters versus the aliens movie. 
And I think that's going to be a series. It was so funny. Uh, One Night in Miami was very good. I think I wanted to like it more than I did. Yeah. Because I loved all those guys. I mean, Muhammad Ali and and, uh, Sam Cooke. uh, Such a good premise. Jim Brown, Malcolm X. And and it's a true story, although I think all of the dialogue is bullshit and made up. I'm sure. Um, But they all hung out. It's a bunch of guys talking. Yeah. Uh, and you know, for that, you could say not a whole lot happens, but, and I think also knowing the historical context really helps this movie. Um, you know, like they mentioned, uh, like somebody says, uh, Sam Cook says, uh, uh, you were hanging out with those guys from England, the Beatles this week, because before Muhammad Ali or Cassius Clay at this point fought Sonny Liston, uh, the Beatles and him were both in Miami at the same time. The Beatles are doing Ed Sullivan. Is that so. that famous picture that they yeah, have? With yeah, the, it's hanging up It's hanging up at the New Way Bar, actually. Muhammad Ali and the Beatles. Yeah. Is it? Okay. Yeah, so, they, nice. you know, so a lot of... It's kind of one of those movies where everything that's historical and trivial comes up in a line of dialogue, and you're kind of like, oh, yeah, they're just checking off the boxes. I was going to say, yeah. But it's still a cool movie. I enjoyed it. Uh, I think Regina King directed that, so... I like her a lot. Was it Regina King that directed that? I think it was Regina King. Yeah. The lady the lady that was in Watchmen. Regina King. Regina King. Yeah, cool. Uh, Irresistible, I liked. John Stewart's movie with Steve Carell. Did you see that I one? I didn't see that one, no. Where he runs for office in a small town? Or no, he's a reporter. What is he? What is the story of that? <laughs> he's, he goes to a small town to cover an election. Okay. Yeah, it's cool. Uh, Never Rarely, Sometimes Always is this little indie movie about a girl who goes get an abortion, gets on a bus, goes to New York. Things don't work out as she planned. So an uplifting uh, oh, Friday night. Oh, you know, yeah. <laughs> grab, grab the popcorn and the kids. Yeah. Never, really, sometimes, always. Yeah. It was on a lot of top ten critics lists. Yeah. Uh, it was kind of a small I've movie. I've heard of it, yeah. Uh, I, uh, Palmer with Justin Timberlake was a good movie. Palmer? <laughs> Why do you say that grudgingly? Because Justin Timberlake can eat a bag of dicks, but he's good in this movie. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, it was a movie. Was it a movie? Was it a documentary? But the Hamilton that Disney Plus filmed was yeah. really pretty good. Yeah. Uh, uh, there was a movie called Yes, God, Yes about a girl. It, it, it's the girl from Stranger Things. The, oh, the guy's uh, sister, yeah. and she she goes to I think it's on Netflix now. She okay. goes to like a Catholic girl school, but she wants to explore her sexual feelings. Okay, and she is repressed, but it's kind of tongue in cheek comedic. What's you know? it called again? Yes, God, yes, yeah. meaning like she's yeah, I was pleasuring say, herself to God, you know, to God. That's... Uh, and uh, our friend with uh, Jason Siegel. And Casey Affleck and uh, Dakota Johnson. All people that It was I a like. movie about uh, Dakota Johnson is ill, and uh, it's a true story. Um, her and uh, Casey Affleck are married, and uh, her best friend is Jason Siegel, and he comes to live with the family and help them. And it's a true story. So it's good. Uh, again, a little movie you could rent. Uh, then I do have my list of great documentaries from this past year. Yeah. Um, again, this one actually was nominated for Best Documentary. It's amazing. The Mole Agent. Yeah. Uh, again, you want to talk about old people. This is a guy who has to go undercover yeah. to see if there is abuse in a, uh, a senior living facility. Yeah. And uh, it's, it's from Chile. Chile. He Chile gets to play detective, basically. Yeah. yeah. And it's fun to see an old guy try to figure out how to use a phone. It does. Yeah. And that's a lot of the comedy in this. But again, very touching. Uh, Bruce Springsteen's documentary Letter to You about the making of that album was very good on Apple You're TV. You're a huge Plus. Springsteen guy. I love Springsteen. I like him I, a lot. This is, he got the E Street Band back together, and you'll see it in this movie. Fantastic. So cool. uh, Rebuilding Paradise was Ron Howard's documentary about um, 
the fires in Paradise, California, and the way they're trying to rebuild. And that'll get you. Crip Camp is nominated for Best Documentary. Very good. Uh, the Obamas produced that one. Yeah. Uh, I liked American Utopia, mm-hmm. which was uh, David Byrne's concert film about his Broadway show, uh, which was on HBO Max, if you want to watch that. Uh, MLK FBI, the story of MLK and the way he was hunted by, you know, they recorded him sleeping around with microphones in his hotel rooms, the FBI did. Discredit him. To try to get to MLK. And uh, apparently there is a deadline coming up where those tapes will become part of uh, public domain. They will be released by the government. And uh, there are people who don't want those tapes released because it's going to cloud the legacy of MLK. That's the argument anyway. It shouldn't. It shouldn't. And if you see the documentary, it's kind of the argument. Uh, I know we're going to talk about the Oscars. My Octopus Teacher was cool. Mm. Not for everybody. I enjoyed Jimmy Carter, the rock and roll president, <laughs> where you see Jimmy Carter running for office and hanging out with Willie Nelson. <laughs> uh, Tread. I think you can get this one on Netflix. Revenge movie. Guy in a small town in, uh, where is that town? Oregon? Washington State? Builds a tank, decides to demolish the town when he's mad at him. Fuck yeah. Pretty cool movie. Who wouldn't do that? Class Action Park. The story of the most dangerous theme park ever. And uh, HBO made it. It's a very funny documentary uh, where the people recount how injured they got on these rides (laughs) in the 70s and 80s. Very cool. Uh, Feels Good Man is about the guy who made Pepe the Frog, which was co-opted by the alt-right. Oh, that's right. And he was just a cartoon. He's just a humble cartoonist. Please don't use my frog for bad, but they do. They do. Uh, What else we got here? Uh, Time was pretty good. That's nominated for Best Documentary about a woman whose husband's in jail. Yeah, that one was good. Uh, Collective. I don't know if you saw that. That's on Hulu. Yeah. The the victims of a fire, and it's really a terrible rock concert fire where they use pyrotechnics, burn the place into the ground. It's actually the documentary is not about that. It's about... Why did these patients die? And it's about corruption in the government of Bulgaria. Am I right on the town, the country, Romania, Hungary? Hungary could have been any of those. <laughs> uh, General vicinity. But it, the scandal is pretty unique and, and definitely worth a watch. Again, you know, not fun date night, pop some popcorn. The fire itself reminded me of the Great White Fire. It was actually the exact Fucking same thing. Terrible. Yeah. Horrible uh, to watch that. Baby God was an HBO Max documentary about a fertility doctor who used his own semen and fathered hundreds of children. There's some good jokes in there. I just can't think of uh, it. You know, uh, if you see that documentary, it's pretty cool. Uh, they also made a documentary on HBO Max called Crazy Not Insane, which was about a lady who studied serial killers uh, and had her theories about it. And all in the fight for democracy, which is really something that if you're following to uh, the, the news of the week, even about Georgia voter suppression. Right. Stacey Abrams, who ran for governor, uh, was sort of the victim of this voter suppression. It cost her the election. Right. And she is the one that is the folks of this documentary. And they go into the history of voter suppression in America. And it's shocking. It's stuff I didn't even know. I'm sure. A lot of good stuff. All right. With that out of the way, should we do the Oscar? Let's do the Oscar noms, then we'll do the worst ones. Do the worst one after. I feel okay. like we've hit a lot of these. Okay. Uh, so, best picture, uh, Jason, you've got your own list: The Father, Judas, Black Messiah, Mank, Minari, Nomadland, Promising Young Woman, Sound of Metal, Trial of Chicago Seven. What do you think should win, and what should actually win, Jason? We'll go to you first. All right. So, 
I guess I'm guessing you think that Judas and the Black Messiah should win because that was your number one movie. I think it should win. I think it will win. You think it will win? I do. I Interesting. do. I think. Okay. Um, I, I just think it's timely. I think, but more importantly than that, because I think a movie that wins Best Picture should be timeless. Mm-hmm. That I think it was just a put all the the politics and stuff aside. It's just a great movie. Yeah, and it's a fun experience yeah. to see. Yeah, it's great. I could certainly. I, I guess I think Minari or uh, I think Nomadland seemed like it was the front runner for a long time. Mm-hmm. They just had the SAG Awards, right? And they they voted for um, ensemble cast. They don't really do a Best Picture, okay? But Trial of Chicago Seven won that, yeah. Which a lot of people think that maybe that becomes the front runner. Obviously, I'm picking Promising a Woman because that was my favorite movie yeah. of the year. I guess if you put a gun to my head and said pick one of these, I guess I'd still go with Nomadland, mm. uh, just based on what I. I think the way the wind is blowing, but you know, if Minari won, that would be cool. I think it has a shot. I, I guess Shoes and Black Messiah has a shot, um, and I guess Promising a Woman probably has a shot. I don't see the Father, Mank, uh, or Sound of Metal really winning for Best Picture. I don't but uh, anyway, let's move on to Best Directors. You have Thomas Vinterbang who did another round. David Fincher for Mank, Lee Isaac Chung for Minari, Chloe Zhao for Nomadland, and Emerald Fennel. For promising young woman, uh, any thoughts there? It was really hard for me to. De- I really liked what David Fincher did yeah. on Mank, but I think I would go with Lee Isaac Chung for Minari. Yeah, I, I think they could split it, and and Lee Isaac Chung would win for Minari, but maybe not for Picture. Right, I could see that happening. I guess again, if I'm picking one, I'm picking Emerald Fennel. But you know, and Minari was like visual poetry. I mean, yeah. it was just gorgeous. Uh, let's go to screenplay. Uh, Borat. The Father. (laughs) No Man Land, One Night Miami, White Tiger. I didn't see White Tiger. Did you see White Tiger? I think it was on Netflix. I did not see White Tiger. Yeah, and Borat, which... My 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 review of Borat was well that could have been worse. Uh, I'm <laughs> not kind a Borat a guy at this point. Um, I, I guess I could see them maybe going with Nomadland here. I would say Nomadland, even though of all of these movies, I think my favorite was The Father of all of them. You know, I, have, I had No Man Land, I have a father, but anyway. When I think of adapted screenplay, I don't think of Borat. You know what I mean? Well, like, I it think just it's, a, it's because it's a sequel. It's adapted from the characters created for Borat. That's which a I really guess, weak definition. Well, they, they have yeah. to split hairs at yeah, the Academy. I, guess. I don't know. Uh, original screenplay, then Judas and the Black Messiah, Minari, Promising Young Woman, Sound of Metal, Trial of Chicago 7. I think people really like, uh, who's the guy who wrote Trial of Chicago 7? Uh, oh, uh, Aaron Sorkin. The director, Aaron Sorkin, he directed it. They love his scripts they in do. Hollywood. I guess I see that winning. I'm, I'm pulling for the Lucas Brothers to win for uh, Judas and Black Messiah. So. I would actually go with Promising Young Woman on that one. Okay. Yeah. Uh, for best actor, Riz Ahmed, Sound of Metal, Chadwick Boseman, Anthony Hopkins' father, uh, Gary Oldman for Manx, Stephen Yeun for Minari. Boy, these guys were all good. Oh, great. Uh, I, 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 Chadwick Boseman has to win. I think there's zero percent chance he doesn't win. Yeah. And and you're right. What you said earlier. Yeah. About him dying, he was probably the best, regardless. I, I think it was the best performance, although. Riz Ahmed, Anthony Hopkins, Gary Oldman, I mean, Stephen, they're all great. Well, like Hopkins and Oldman, it's, again, they're so yeah. great all the yeah. time that it's like pedestrian at this point. Yeah. 
But look, Chadwick Boseman isn't going to win one again, so this might be his only shot. Yeah, exactly. I think he wins supporting actor. Again, this was the one that was a little controversial. Yeah, I don't get this. Uh, But of course, you know, Sasha Baron Cohen for Trial of Chicago 7. Yeah. Uh, Daniel Kaluuya for Judas and the Black Messiah. Leslie Odom for One Night in Miami. He was Sam Cooke. Paul Racy, who we already talked about, is so awesome in Sound of Metal. And the key standfill for Judas and Black Messiah. I wonder if the Judas and Black Messiah guys cancel each other out. I think they might. But I feel like it's Daniel Kaluuya who has maybe the most momentum from that. How is he supporting actor? Yeah, I, they just make any fucking sense. I think it's, you can be, the supporting and lead does not have to do with screen time or billing. Okay. It's more about where does the movie studio put you in, and I feel like they knew that Chadwick Boseman was going to win for best actor. Fair enough. And they thought it was better for their movie to put these guys in supporting. I could see Paul Racy winning so this. So could I. Because, you know, I don't think that movie's winning a whole lot of other stuff, and he is just... He's just so awesome, and really people is. never saw him in anything else for the most part, so I, I could see Paul Racy winning. I'm going to agree with you on that and, one. And uh, even though I, I would say, uh, yeah, Kahlua could win, Sasha Baron Cohen was fine. Yeah. I mean, but, you yeah. know, you know it was fine. Uh, for Best Actress, Viola Davis, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, Andra Day for the United States versus Billie Holiday. A terrible motion picture. Yeah, not good. Did you see it? I did. Terrible. I forgot about it the second time. Oh, my God. Uh, Pieces of a Woman, Vanessa Kirby. Also a movie that is a very well-made movie, which is about abuse, about a woman who loses her child and the ensuing fallout. It's harsh. Um, She's really good in it, though. So I I, I do uh, think she... Frances McDormand for Nomadland and Carrie Mulligan... I and now look, Andra Day won the Golden Globe for United States versus Billy Holiday, but that movie stunk. Yeah, I could see this being between Frances McDormand and Carrie Mulligan, and I'm going Carrie Mulligan. But uh, for who I would like to win, I, uh, you got a prediction? Yeah, uh, I would like to and think will uh, Carrie Mulligan. You think Carrie Mulligan? You don't think Frances McDormand? She's such an Oscar darling. She is, but. Oscar Darling's get nominated all the time. I don't necessarily win all no, the well, time. Well, that's the next category. Let's move on to yeah. that then. Maria Bakalova for Borat's subsequent movie thing. Best thing in that movie. Yeah. It was her. Right. Uh, Glenn Close for Hillbilly Elegy. Now, here's where it gets interesting. Yeah. I saw Hillbilly Elegy. Did you see it? Yeah. Okay. I was told this was one of the worst movies of the year. Yeah. I thought this movie was serviceable. It was fine. It was fine. It was okay. The story of that guy, you know, going, leaving a small town in Ohio and going to Ivy League was a cool story. Yeah. Glenn Close was the worst part of that movie in the sense that her getup, her makeup, her costuming did not work. Thank you. It looked like Glenn Close playing like an SNL level makeup. It was not good. Now, granted, they show you the real lady because they sure. said, and she did, she they did made look her like up her. To, but you, it still looks exactly like Glenn Close in bad makeup. I couldn't agree more. And so how is this the best? I know she's, she's also nominated for a Razzie for this same role. Which is weird, and, yeah. But some people say she might win because I guess Glenn Close has never won an Oscar. Really? Yeah. And she's so, I don't know. Olivia Coleman in The Father, she's terrific. I love her. You, you loved Amanda Seyfried. Uh, to me, she's not in that movie enough for me. Amanda? Yeah, I yeah. mean, she's only maybe in that movie for 15 minutes. Yeah, totally. Uh, look, she's great in that 15 minutes. And then Yu Jung Yoon, who played the grandma in Minari, I think I'd give it to her. I think that's where it's going to go. Again, for a lot of the same reasons you give it to Paul Racy. Uh, for Sound of Metal. The grandma in Minari's unbelievable. The, the thing, the Glenn Close thing... I can't stand when they use this any acting award for a lifetime achievement 
you know, because it's like, oh, she never won one. Well, yeah, give it to her this year. Fucking yeah, that's that. kind of how it goes. Stupid. And, you know, I mean, I know Anthony Hopkins has won one, but Anthony Hopkins is great, too. And he is. I could see them giving it to him for the same reason, if not for the Chadwick Boseman thing. I would give it to Grandma from Minari. Yeah, I think I, I and I think she's got I think she might have won the SAG award. I have the SAG winners. I should probably mention that. It's usually a good precursor. Uh, Viola Davis actually won for Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. Okay. Uh, in, in that. She was really good. Uh, and let's see the other ones. Do I not have actor in a leading role? Oh, yeah, uh, Chadwick Boseman yeah. won there. My, uh, Viola Rose won that. Um, supporting actor, they had, uh, for supporting actress... Oh, they don't say actress. They say female actor. Okay. They had grandma winning for okay. that. Yeah. That's and for best me. actor, they went with uh, Daniel Kaluuya. So kind of what we've been saying. Well, I'm fine with that, too. Uh, animated, I only saw Soul of that list. So I, I don't have much of an opinion there. I would, Although yeah. I will say I didn't like Soul. Uh, we can talk about that more. I again. didn't spend a lot of time in animated. Okay. Yeah. Let's move on. Cinematography, uh, Judas and the Black Messiah make News of the World, Nomadland, Travis Cox. If you're going to give News of the World something, maybe you give it best cinematography, but maybe Mank. I would go with Mank. Although Nomadland's beautiful, too. Yeah. You know, uh, costume design, uh, do you care? Should we uh, move on? Yeah, we could move on, yeah. Best documentary feature. I think we've I mentioned all of these eventually because while I liked all of these documentaries, the time I think I liked the least of them, I guess I see Crip Camp winning because, you know, the the story of oh. a, a camp for, you know, handicapped people in the sixties and, and sort of and what uh those people had to overcome and how that led to the ADA and the political movement. Yeah, this that. revealed it's a really pretty great documentary. It I mean, revealed it really a civil rights movement yeah, I didn't yeah. even know existed, yeah. so I loved Crip Camp. It's great. I, I guess I see that one winning. Um I might have liked Mole Agent the best of the five, but you know, um they were all good. Um Documentary short, who cares? Film editing. <laughs> I, I don't even know. Promising Young Woman was probably the best edited. Right. International. We have Collective there in another round. I don't know if you saw any other ones. No, I would go with another round. Probably yeah, another round. Was. And I could see that one winning. It seems like the one that most people have seen. Yeah. Uh, makeup and hairstyling. Hillbilly Elegy. <laughs> Fuck no. <laughs> uh, I, did you see this Pinocchio? No, but I would say Mank. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, yeah, Mank. I mean, How many versions of Pinocchio are they? I, I didn't even, no one even saw this in recent one. I know. Uh, original score. I mean, Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross are nominated twice for Soul and Mank. Yeah. Uh, 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 you know. They're quite the duo. Uh, James really been... Newton Howard is kind of an old school. I don't know. Yeah. I don't even know. I really, I thought the Mank uh, score really stood out to okay. me. Okay. Uh, original song. Let's move on. Yeah. Who cares? I don't really know. I don't even remember Fight For You or Hear My Voice. And I don't... I, you know, I think one night... Okay, speak now from One Night Miami will win. Because that's that, that was actually, uh, you know, um, the Sam Cooke musical performance that's towards the end of that movie was the best part of that movie, and then they'll reward that, well, I think, The rest that. of those movie, the songs, they play like during the closing credits. So you're yeah, your well, that's the what door. these all were. They yeah. weren't in the body of the movie. Right. Uh, production design... 
you know, Tenet's there. You know, oh, God, you could yeah. say Tenet. Although I could also see Mank winning this one because Mank did a really good job of recreating the 30s. Yeah. Animated short, live action short, who cares? Best sound. <laughs> you know, I didn't see the Tom Hanks Greyhound. That was only on Apple TV. I didn't either. Submarine movie. I, I probably should check that out. Sound of Metal used sound so much for the story that I could see that one winning. It probably, sh- probably should. And then, uh, I mean, do we give Tenet the Visual Effects Award? You know, I don't know. Why not? I don't know. The Midnight Sky, which was George Clooney's movie that was on Netflix, kind of had big hopes, and I, you know, I never even bothered to watch. I it. haven't I gotten to reviews. it yet either. Yeah, and that Mulan movie kind of flopped too. So, right. anyway, I guess that's our picks as best we can make it out. I yeah. Don't know. Uh all right. Well, here we go, ladies and gentlemen. Here's the worst. What do you got for me, Jason? I don't have a ton on here. Like you said, obviously you try to avoid watching bad movies, but sometimes you trip and fall into one. So I have two that really stand out. The first one would be Birds of Prey, which is the Harley Quinn and her girlfriend's movie. Uh, It was a loud, obnoxious, aimless live-action cartoon that I wanted to peel the skin off my face as I watched it. Uh, Ewan McGregor was just slumming it in this movie as Black Mask. I like the concept, and I like yeah. Margot Robbie right. as Harley Quinn, but this was just an absolute oh, headache to uh, watch. It's on my worst as well. Is it okay? A lot of people liked this movie. Why? Uh, it was very. It was well, stylishly well made. I mean, it had all of the the trappings of a good comic book movie, sure. and yet it stunk. Yeah. Yeah, she was annoying she uh, was. as Harley Quinn, and I mean, by the end, it's like, it's just, you know, I mean, it, it felt a little like like the old Batman TV show, which which, uh, which could be good, could be good but exactly. it wasn't. No, I agree. Thank you. What else you got? Spencer Confidential. Don't think I saw it. Okay, this was, so you remember the show Spencer for Hire? Yeah. This was like Netflix and Mark Wahlberg and Peter Berg's version of like bringing that back. Really? It was just such an aimless, just horribly written plot holes you could drive it's a, a film, through. not a series. Huh? It's a film, but they want to make it a series of and films. Did, who starred in it? Mark Wahlberg. Oh Jesus Christ! And he's just, I'm, oh, he's just so off his game. And there's a there's a scene where they get attacked in broad daylight in a Mexican restaurant by Haitian dudes with machetes, and I'm like, <laughs> what? Did, why would you? Is that really the time and place? But uh, yeah, uh, yeah. yeah, so those would be. I really don't have much, but beyond that, everything else is pretty good. Um, yeah, well, I got I got a few more than you do. Okay. Some of them we've already kind of covered. Um, you know, I put them in worst, even though they're very well made movies. But I had Mank in there. I had Pieces of a Woman. Yeah, just in that, I, I don't recommend anyone watch these. Sure, doesn't mean uh, that it doesn't they're... mean they're bad. But I, I I don't really have a category for. This is good, but even but I also I didn't like them either, right? And and that I think is the thing because like like oh yeah I liked uh, Bloody Nose Empty Pockets. It doesn't mean I'm recommending it. For I agree, people, yeah. but I still liked it. These are movies that <laughs> I, I I'm I'm not recommending, and I also didn't like. Yeah. Um, let's see, uh, Soul. Everyone said Soul was this great movie, and look, and it's the same Pete Doctor fella. That's the that's the guy. Yeah. You want to put a bullseye on somebody because he made Inside Out. He yeah. made up, and it's like I'm going to make these animated movies that want to make you cry. Yeah, and I'm like, why would you do that? Inside Out was good, but it was I a mean, downer. A, a movie can make you cry, and that's sure. okay. You're moved, you're touched, you're brought into it. But there's something about an animated movie which is so artificial. I mean, the whole thing is made up, 
and yet all your goal is to like make us cry. Yeah. And it's like when I see that happening, my response isn't to cry. My response is to go like, you know, it's like I'm just seeing all the gears. I'm seeing, you know, process, you know, yeah. yeah. And it's like I don't like that. And plus, you know, is is there a sort of a co-opting of of black jazz culture to make you know yeah. white people make a movie that. You know, I mean, I, I think, it, you know, I think they had a, a black screenwriter for this one and whatever, right. but it just, that whole thing felt weird the appropriation in a way, in yeah. a way to sort of, I mean, I know the movie's called Soul. It's not even about soul music. So that whole yeah. wordplay on soul and you die and go to heaven, it doesn't even work based upon the movie, but they thought it was a cute title. So they used it. Right. Um, you know, getting children to believe in this concept of heaven I don't think that's a movie's responsibility to do. And so I have a problem with that. Uh, I'm kind of ruining soul, but it's like, hey, I'm dead, but I'm happy to be dead. Yeah. Fuck you. Yeah. Why don't you live? That's a weird. Let's live. Yeah. Fuck you. In a year where all these people died, yeah. where all these people died, where George Floyd died, right. uh, uh, where people died of coronavirus. You make a movie where a guy's happy because he's dead. Go fuck yourself. It's a weird Disney. That's a weird seriously. Concept, yeah. And you have a cutesy cat in there that Tina Fey voices, and it's so nice. Fuck you. Yeah. Fuck, fuck that. you and fuck your movie. I'm, I'm with you. Soul stunk. Fuck it. Don't show your kids these movies. No, they used to be made for kids. Yeah, but now. that's the thing. Yeah. yeah, it's like they want to make these profound and like. Like, I remember, like, Toy Story 3 was like that, where, like, they're going to incinerate the toys right. and everyone cries. And it's like, what are you? You're traumatizing, they're playing, like, children. Like, emotional like, bingo. What are you? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's like, I mean, like, am I impressed that you took, you know, what would have been a Mickey Mouse thing and you've taken that art form and made it into something where, you know, you can make adult people cry. But should we? Right. Is that what we want to do? Or do we want to show people Dick Johnson is dead, which has real emotions with real people and showing how people can deal with grief and loss in in, in, in kind of a funny way that is inspiring and giving you a way to live and say, hey, don't worry if you die because you're going to go to the cloud. Right. And with these, you know, like, what the fuck is this? So basically your life has less value because, fuck it, you're going somewhere better anyway. It's unbelievable. Which which maybe you are, but that's not live that way. And like people say, oh, Joel, you're reading too much into it. Why not just have fun with it? Because... You know, death, you know, death isn't fun. And right. we've learned that. And, and and how many, I mean, I'm looking at our lists and like, how many movies involve death? Or aging and I mean, Promising Young Woman, totally under control. Uh, you know, the, the threat of death is in Minari the if father. it's not literally in there. Yeah. The father, herself, uh, Judas and the Black Messiah. I mean, these are all, you know, yeah. uh, uh, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. Yeah. I mean, come on. Yeah. This is what you want. This isn't a, you know, come on. Yeah. And you know what? Make, make, make the toys. Make the toys talk. That's funny. Yeah. Make the toys talk. Make a rat. Make a, make a bug. Yeah. They've almost gone too make far to fish. the other side of like, make a, the fish die be too. so I, fucking I, profound. Yeah. yeah. Those fish movies either. <laughs> fuck your fish movies too. <laughs> All right. And, and fuck bad boys for life. Just fuck you. Just fuck that movie. What did you like about it? That it exists. All right, all right. I'm going to tell you the things I liked about it. Okay. Because I saw it right when it came out, so it's been a long time. Here's what I liked about it. Okay. 
All right, let's move on to the next movie. <laughs> Bad Boys for Life sucked. I saw this in a theater with a bunch of people who sucked. I mean, I'm not going there. Because they loved it. I'm not going there. That's all right. I'm not going there. <laughs> okay? I went to see Bad Boys for Life on opening day. That, okay? On paper, that doesn't sound okay? so bad. Okay? <laughs> all right? Apparently, people don't have jobs. Right. Because I, I can't. I can't. Okay. I can't. Fair enough. I can't. But it's on the list for cancel a reason. Cancel me. Cancel me. Uh, don't cancel me. No. Bad Boys for Life stunk. Gotcha. Wonder Woman 1984. Okay. Come on. Fuck you. Yeah, what was? I Fuck still you. I still don't understand. It, 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 Chris Pine. I don't. Yeah, well, I mean that's the big. I mean, look, it's a comic book movie. Comic sure. book people come back and forth, but when you have an actual human being, <laughs> yeah, and yeah, there's time. There was time travel stuff in the first Wonder Woman that we all kind of went yep. along with. Yeah. Um, well, you know, they should have just not killed him off in the first one, and then like. Captain America is ass. Like, yeah. put him in some ice or something. I think we should we should uh, let the characters live forever and kill kill Gail Godot for real. That's my theory. Why this is elect me for president? Why? Uh, because she can't act. Yeah, she's she can barely speak English. And again, not to knock somebody who's from another country. No, but it's supposed but, to be. You're supposed to be able to understand. You know, you're playing an American, and you you know. That's I true. mean, I don't know. I don't yeah, know. Yeah. I don't know. I just, I mean, it's funny. I hadn't seen Wonder Woman, the first one. Mm-hmm. And I was, this one was coming out. And I said to my girlfriend, I said, well, you know, I, I didn't see the first one. Do I need to? And she was like, yeah, it's really good. So I watched the first one. And I didn't like that one. Really? And then this one came out and I didn't. I like this one less. Well, this one but is I definitely mean, a step down from the I mean, look, book. and I'm like, hey, let's, let's, let's show the 80s in a movie. The, I mean, the, the, the vein of rich 80s comedic moments you can make oh, in this movie. Yeah. Would be, and like they did a couple of them, but it was kind of a wash. They, they didn't really even use the 80s. Well, it's 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 almost like they use the 80s to make a couple jokes and then that mall, we just put people in 80s garb. Yeah, it was like the know. mall scene. And yeah, then it just yeah, yeah. could have been any time. And that's just like, oh, we'll put Chris Pine in a members only jacket. And we're going to parachute the, pants. Yeah, Everybody parachutes now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, OK. Happiest season. Happiest this was the lesbian Christmas movie that was on Hulu that was unbelievably awful. And and uh, we got roped into Kristen watching this. Stewart time. and. Uh, I forget who the other actress was, but oh my god, don't bother with happy. What's season. the significance of them being lesbians? Is it just uh, like- the the girl travels home for Christmas? Uh, she does not want to disclose to her family that this is her lesbian live-in lover. Okay, and so she, uh, you know, she's not out. Okay, uh, so this is like her friend, quote unquote, <laughs> who has to sleep in another room of the house. Okay, and so they have to sort of. Do a bunch of stuff to get together. And it's really like, you know, look, you're making a movie about a lesbian Christmas. I get that. That's great. But you're also making like the worst stereotypes of closeted people. Right. And the family doesn't approve of it. And it's like they're almost setting back uh, homosexuality. Even though you've made a movie about it. And uh, it sounds like a 90s movie. It's 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 a comedy. So they're like sneaking around, sneaking around to do their business with yeah. each other. Eh, whatever. Yeah, it's 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 all kinds of you know Christmas hijinks with lesbians shenanigans. Yeah, yeah it's it's it really did not work. Yeah, a movie that definitely did not work was The Vast of Night. The Vast this of was a 1950s 
Uh, it's about the UFO scare of the 1950s. Yeah. So there's two kids, and they're like 13 or something. Uh, they One of them has an overnight radio job. And they're like 13. Okay. And it takes place at like the sock hop. And then they go (laughs) from the sock hop to the radio station. And people are calling in. It's almost got like a War of the Worlds thing. Yeah, that's what it's like. Where people are calling in because they're seeing UFOs. And they decide to, these two kids uh, decide to get on their bikes to chase the UFOs. And I know that sounds like Stranger Things, but... Sounds like a few things. Let I'm... me just say that, you know, I mean, look, it's a very low-budget movie, yeah. and they're, they're making it, and they're making it, you know, to be, period, you know, 1950s, and they didn't spend a lot on the effects for the UFOs, but the, in somebody else's hands, this is a good movie, but it's boring as fucking all get out. It sounds like we're trying to be low budget Spielberg. Maybe? Yeah, 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 it has that Early kind Spielberg, of feel, yeah. but and in some people and again, this is a movie that sort of people championed as like this little movie that, you that, know, yeah, that's and it's, do it's, great on, it's on Amazon Prime. You need to see this unique, you know, and, and no, nah, I wasn't good, but it is on Prime if you want to watch it. The King of Staten Island can suck my left nut. And I, I'm a Judd Apatow fan. Yeah. I really think Judd Apatow is good. I think he's funny. I think his movies have heart most of the time. And I'm a fan. But God damn it, this thing. And, and again, you could say I think Pete Davidson's a, a fucking douche. And yeah. I would say that, but that's not even the... It's just This is a boring film. Yeah. It really is. It's a boring film. How's Bill Burr in it? Bill Burr's good. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of comics in it. Bill Burr does a nice job. Uh, and there's just there's tons of comics that kind of have cameos as, you know, either his friends or his parents' friends and yeah. stuff. Uh, and I believe it's like two and a half hours, which that's a knock on Apatow. It's, it's always is that he long. makes these movies that are too long, and that was one of them. Yeah, King of Staten Island. You could skip this. Uh, the little things with Denzel. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Was not very good. Jared Leto. Jared Leto. And Terrible uh, movie. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it, it's it's every cop movie ever made. I was going to say. And, you know, it's, it's every cop movie ever made. But it's not a good one. It's not Hi. seven. Or you. All right, Layla's here for the Sleepies. We're going to let you talk. You want to sit down right here or you want to stand? We'll do the Sleepies in a second. I'm going through the worst. Some of these over. Why don't we get that microphone, Jason? Do you mind taking that out of the stand for oh, her? No, of course. We'll just hand it to her uh, here in a second. Uh, Birds of Prey, you covered. There's a movie called All My Life. That my significant other, who just entered the room, wanted to watch, and we watched, and I don't think you liked it either. About the the sick man who, the sick man who gets married. You don't remember all my life. Was it the one the with the female being sick? Uh, no, I think the guy was oh, sick, he had and they yeah. You don't remember that? I do. Yeah, it was not I good, think right? You had to remind me last night too what it was. I did. Well, we we, we did, we're going to get to the sleepies. I, I'm still going through the worst. Uh, we didn't make it through the Tom and Jerry movie. Oh my god, <laughs> that looked rough. It was I, rough. I felt bad for those what actors. Did we watch like twenty minutes. Uh, maybe Why? More? Like, how could you tell it was that bad? It like, it it's not good. Yeah. What do you? The the human being like it's so over the top and yeah. like the. Like the um the the human actors, which I'll spare them <laughs> their names. Yeah, I know. Are right. just given nothing good to do. That's you know, tr- it's not the problem with it isn't Tom and Jerry. It's that they're trying to live in this hotel. Yeah. In modern times, and it's like it's just it's ridiculous. The trailers were. It didn't bad. work with people. Yeah, I Tom bet. and Jerry is really bad. Just make a Tom and Jerry movie, you know. Yeah. And then uh, this will be my my last one, and then we'll we'll let you do your sleepies here, Layla. Uh, 
U.S. versus Billie Holiday. We talked about it. Yeah. Uh, and here's the problem with this. Now, look, it, it's it's just a biopic. Right. There's nothing more, nothing less. And here's the problem with it. You know, Billie Holiday, great singer. Okay. I know. We can all agree. One of my okay? favorites. Great, great recordings. I mean, amazing. She, you know, had drug problems. That's in the movie. Mm-hmm. You know, and, right. and and that. But she is so sort of a despicable character yeah. that you're not even rooting for her. Right. And yeah, she did get a hard time. She was harassed over drug use. She was harassed over uh, you can't sing. Uh, what was the song? Uh, oh, uh, you can't sing the song it. that's about the lynchings because if you do, it's going to cause riots. And so the government cracks down and arrests her. Right. And while you, while all those things were awful, it's like... You're, you don't care because she's right. not a nice person. Right. That makes it hard. And, to and yeah, and like yourself. this actress, you know, who, who was nominated and won the Golden Globe, it's like your performance is good, but, you know, this person sort of, it's hard to make a movie that sort of has those, you know, overcoming adversity kind right. of thing. And it's like, it's kind of hard to make that movie when. You're not a likable person, and, and you I'm know. Not, so. I'm not huge into giving awards to when a person is really good in a bad movie. Yeah. It's unfortunate, but I yeah. just I can't do it. I mean, it's just boring. I think most people will watch it and go, "That wasn't very good." Sure, and it does have. I mean, I actually have the um, the Rotten Tomatoes. They do their own Oscar ballot. Oh yeah, which has all the Rotten Tomatoes ratings, and you know, U.S. vs. Billy Holiday is a 52 percent fresh. Yeah. Okay. The only other thing that even got a nomination was Hillbilly Elegy was only 26% fresh. But I think Hillbilly yeah. Elegy was more enjoyable than, than... Well, it was more engaging. You kind of knew who you were rooting for, but yeah. yeah. Uh, all right, Layla. Now, you're gonna. it's time for Layla to do her Sleepy Awards. <laughs> the movies that she either fell asleep during or just didn't give a shit about. Do you want to read these? You'll probably have to remind me of uh, what's I don't know if I what. think I have a copy of these. I was going to say, you wrote them in your notes last night. I do, but I don't know if I printed out two or just one. Do you rank them, or is it just like... It's just... These are not ranked. They're not ranked. But no. They're just <laughs> thrown together. There you go. It's at the bottom right corner. I want you to go ahead well, and start. I have quite a list. You do have quite a list. And a lot of these we've already talked about, so we'll just kind of tag on. Or you tell us why you fell asleep. Well, no, because I may not even remember what they're. Well, about. if I'll help you if you need help, go ahead. Start. No Madland. What was the problem with No Madland? It was so boring. <laughs> I can see that argument. We, we mentioned that. Yeah. You know, it it's was a my slow burn. it was my number fifteen. It wasn't yeah. real high up on my list. I but... was. I already live a mundane day to day life. I don't need to watch someone else going through it. Touche. I don't, I don't actually think it's that much of an indictment of the quality of it to say that you fell asleep. It's a dozy movie. I, I hear you. Yeah, I feel it's you. a meditative it was, it is. story. All right. Okay. What else you got? Never, rarely, sometimes, always. Yes. That's the girl who wants to have an abortion. She goes to New York on the bus to get an abortion. Yeah. You weren't uplifted? <laughs> bouncing was, off the wall? Was it last night I said it was kind of monotone? Yeah, I mean, it's a very small, low-budget indie yeah. movie. I think we literally watched that, like, height of pandemic. Like, all that was on the news was death, 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 death. So let's, hey, let's watch, watch this. this movie about the abortion. Yeah. It's not like a good timing, yeah. It's a, it's a very well-done movie, but yeah, it is. I, it think is a little, I think it's a compliment it's that a you snoozy fell asleep. Movie. Like, you didn't just storm out of the house. Snoozy. Yeah. yeah. 40-year-old version. The 40-year-old version. Did you watch that? Version? Yeah, it's on Netflix. I know. You want to... I don't know. No, I... Yeah. It's about a woman who wants to become a rapper. Yeah. Okay. She's a playwright who kind of dabbles in hip-hop, 
And is she, um, is she white? No. no. I was going to say because that would be a snap, <laughs> snappy twist on everything. And here's the thing: she's very good. Okay. Like she's entertaining, and mm-hmm. she directed this movie. It kind of looks like do the right thing. It's black and white. It's kind of like oh. got that early Spike Lee kind of vibe to sure. it. Um, it had potential to the, be good. The scenes kind of go on too long. It sort of feels very amateurish at times. Okay. Um, her rapping is pretty good when they have the scenes of her rapping in it. Um, and of course, you know, she triumphs and, you know, so it's sort of the semi-autobiographical thing. Uh, but Layla got bored with it pretty quickly. We did yeah. end up finishing it, but we it did. took us a couple nights. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> one night in Miami. Yeah. We liked in one night in Miami, but yeah. it was a bunch of guys talking. So, it was, you know, talking. I fell asleep. Yeah. And when I woke up, he's like, you fell asleep at the good part. Yeah. She, she like fell asleep when it got, I think when they did the, uh, um, the, the big the music scene and yeah, what? like they leave the hotel room and I thought the movie got better when they left the hotel room when they go up on the roof and then there's the, the Sam Cooke scene. Well, they should have brought it sooner. She well, she was asleep by then. Not her so. fault. Exactly. <laughs> I wasn't asleep. She was already out. We just talked about this next one. The Vast of Night. Did I watch this? Yes. we. You turned it off. The 50s, <laughs> the kids at the sock hop. And they oh, see the yeah, UFO yeah. and okay. they go on the that radio. Was so bad. Yeah, it was boring. Did we finish that one? Uh, I did without you, and it's still stunk. I'm going to run home and watch it now. Va- it, it just sounds awesome. It sounds like something you're going to like, which yeah. is why I watched it, because it sounded like something I would like, right. but it, I didn't like it. The premise of it sounds good. Right. Premises, I, if you like it, let me know, Jason, but I, I will. don't think you will. <laughs> she dies tomorrow. You don't even remember that one. We didn't finish it, either of us. I don't it's a little indie movie. I don't know what happened. Apparently, this lady dies, but I think, it, I think it actually is some sort of pandemic, but she's alone, this lady. You see her come home. She puts, like, vinyl records on and kind of walks around her house. Okay. She's estranged from her husband, or she's that. I don't remember this one at And then all. she apparently dies the next day, but we turned it off before she died. But that's the title of the movie. I know it's very weird. It's a yeah. kind of movie. I don't know. People said it was good, but and you we didn't last get long it. enough to figure it we out. We couldn't I, get through it. I don't even remember that yeah. premise. <laughs> Come on. That's funny. So the next one was a little disappointing because I wanted to like it. Yeah. Locked down. Yes. Anne Hathaway. Mm-hmm. She would tell Edgy of Four. Another pandemic movie. A lot of this is on Zoom. It's on HBO Max. Yeah. We didn't finish it. No. <laughs> the people in it, that would be enough to get me there. I, that's, that's, that's she wanted to see it. It was her pick. And but it was they're living through the pandemic. Which you were doing when you watched it, right. probably. Yeah. So it was like. Yeah. Apparently, it turns into some sort of crime thriller. We didn't get that far, but. I and it actually was critically panned as well. I mean, it's not like people thought this was a good movie. I always feel like a movie's got 15 minutes. It doesn't have to be exciting. Yeah. It just has to hook me somehow. Yeah. If it doesn't, I'm usually out. It has to give you reason to want to see how it ends, and this one just keeps on going. Or give me a reason to watch the next 15. Well, they're like this couple who breaks up. And they're broken up, but together. they have to live together because of the pandemic. Well, that sucks. And they're in London. So, like, know. one's living on one floor, the other's in the other floor, and... But you know, it's kind of like they don't want to talk. They to don't want to talk to each other, but kind of secretly they want to get they 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 want to get back together. But neither one will admit that because they're fighting. I'm falling asleep just here. No, the let's move on. So uh, what else you got? What's next? Soul, Soul, which we talked about already, and believe me, I I gave Soul a good ream right Joel up the was, butthole. Yeah, he got it done. Yeah, there's no need Soul. for you. Okay. You didn't like. And it And then either. we just talked about Tom and Jerry. Yeah. 
Borat 2. Yeah, you really hated Borat 2. But see, I've not ever been a fan of his. I didn't even see the first Borat. I didn't really. either. I didn't like his uh, hip-hop guy, Ali G. I never thought was I didn't funny. like Ali G I don't either. Um, but th- th- this movie has its moments. Again, I thought the daughter was the best thing about it. Um and I did, I did laugh a couple times. I mean, it, I didn't laugh every time they thought I should laugh, but right. I laughed a couple times. Yeah. But again, we, we, I try to see every Oscar-nominated movie in the major categories. I mean, I ran sure. that down with you. And since she got the best actress, <laughs> we had yeah. to watch it. Best supporting actress, I had to watch it. So, And what else you got? MLK, FBI. Yeah, I already talked about that, okay. but you, you fell asleep during that. Yeah. And yeah. then the last one I have is time. Yeah, again. Did you already talk about time? Yeah, we mentioned it. It's um, it's a little I, slower. It's a, it's a, a little it's, bad for them. It's a good story. Yeah, it's a good story. You don't have to. It's your. It's you a good story, but you have this black and white documentary right. that was shot in the eighties, largely on like a camcorder. Um, and you know that lady, while she deserves a lot of credit, those kids she turned does. out great. Also kind of comes off as a little bit of an asshole. Yeah, I thought so, level. too. Yeah. So, um, you know, look, it's um, uh, I, I get why people like it, but neither of us thought it was. And I mean, I think it's a good movie, but I, again, I'm not recommending it. And no. I get why you were bored with it. Well, and I just felt like it was very preachy and yeah, how we should be definitely. rooting for this man who obviously did some crimes but yeah, yeah, they want yeah. us to feel sorry well for she him. was part right. of the crime too right. which is an interesting i hear you that, yeah you know, that's they were both in jail she got out right because she was the getaway car or whatever right and he was actually the stick-up man right and then they have to raise these kids and the kids ended up turning out really good yeah um and i totally know. give her because that yeah. could have totally went the opposite oh, for, for sure those yeah kids. Definitely, sure. definitely so and so it is inspirational and uplifting in that way but you know it's it's not a fun watch, so no. I get why you fell asleep. All right, well, thank you. You're welcome. You did a good job. Thanks. Sleepies. Mm-hmm. I want to sleep now. Yeah, well, you can sleep. Just lay down right there. <laughs> We're going to say goodbye. I'll be out of your hair in like two seconds. <laughs> <so>. You're fine. <laughs> I have more work I still got to do. No. So don't I got more work. Oh, yeah, yeah. All right. Well, Layla, thank you for sitting in the sleepies. Thanks you did for a good job. Me actually, join for I this think one. we were trying to decide. We don't think you did the sleepies as part of the movie show. We think you did them some other time on the show. I, or did you not even do them I on the show? I wasn't even a part of the show. Yeah, but maybe, I'm saying maybe you did them on another show. And also, you see, we made a little chair. I did see that. We made a little chair for Corey, because he was with us last year, and now he's not. And uh, yeah, his wife wrote a really nice note in there. You can read it, Chase. Thank you. Thank you. Not, not on the air. Maybe, no, no, of but, course you not. Know, if you yeah. want to read it, you're welcome to read it. And of course, we got to thank Jason uh, Filen Marez. Yes, it's nice go. to finally meet it's you. It's nice to meet you. Thank you, you very much. Met, really? No, I mean, no. I feel like you've done comedy showcases and stuff that she would have been at, Probably. but you maybe didn't uh, say hello. I don't but, think uh, we've met. It's very nice to but meet Jason's, you. But uh, Jason's, you know, uh, a really funny, a, a new uh, comic, and you're you're starting to do your own shows. Thank and you. that you want to plug that at all? Thank you, thank you, Joel, for those words. And yeah, well, so. Uh, we just announced it April 25th at Gravcat Brewing in Oxford, Michigan. We have a great show. It's Matt McClowry's your headliner. Your features are myself, Jason Filan Mars, Kara Karachi, hosted by Brett Salferino. Uh, tickets are available on my Facebook page. Go to Eventbrite. Uh, we're already selling. We only have 50 that we can sell, and we're already we're, we're getting there. So yeah, nice. We'd love to see you Good out job. there. Thank you. That's and, awesome. And, uh, yeah, one last thing. You know, our comedy is about mental health. We want everybody to feel good about it. So yes. come out with us and laugh. Thank All you. right. Thanks, there Joel. You go, Jason. Thanks. And one, one last thing. I got you a little something. Oh. There's, there's a... 
I know you go to the movies. There's an AMC gift card Thank for you. you and your wife and Thank whoever you, you want to take. Feel free to go. Jason's the guy going. Jason's the one keeping these theaters <laughs> afloat through the pandemic. Thank so, you. Do you go to AMCs? Do you uh, like yeah, those? Yeah, all, the time. Okay, all I, the time. I looked at like where you live and I go, what's a movie theater near you? <laughs> and there's like... You know, Joe Bob Cinema down the street. And I go, <laughs> I don't know how I get a gift card for Joe Bob Cinema, but because uh, you. You, uh, you live a little outside of I the do, city. I do, but we, and, we so. go everywhere. So thank yeah, you. Yeah, I know. Much. I see you and I go, well, AMC's got some good stuff. Yeah. They got some really nice theaters. That's so. where I just saw Minari and yeah. Judas and everything. Yeah, else. That, that, uh, you go to that forum. Forum 3. That's where we had yeah. the comedy telephone. Yeah, yeah, Forum's a great place. So yeah. uh, we, we like going there. Thank you. It's one of our favorite movie theaters, I think, in a way. AMC? The Forum. Where, where's that? The one on Mound Road in oh, 59. Yeah. And yeah. Mound, yeah. yeah, it's good. We, we saw uh, uh, the Dolby Cinema presentation oh, of yeah. 1917. Oh, there. yeah. Ooh. Beautiful. And then we saw the Dolby Cinema presentation of Bruce Springsteen's Western Stars. I almost took down some <laughs> old women at the 1914 Were one. Were they talking 17. shit? They would not shut yeah, up. Yeah, well, there's old people because of the way the Dolby and like how intense that movie was. Oh, they probably... They were freaking out. <laughs> And they're sitting down the aisle from Layla, and Layla's like getting mad at them, telling them to shut I'm up. I'm like, shh, shh. Yeah. Yeah. And then you, and then it's like, and I hate too, is like, you have to do it because they won't right. just shut up. So you have to ruin your day right. and tell them to shut up. I hate yeah. that. So then I got up and yeah. went to the seat on the other side of him, and then there was a couple being loud there. And I'm like, I can't win. I'm with you. But that was, the, that was the drawback of. How good the sound system was at this AMC theater. It's, a, it's their Dolby Cinema thing, and uh, and we did AMC uh, last year. Yeah, for we the, did their Stubbs A list. You know, the yeah. go once a week or yeah. once a day or whatever. We did that to see all the Oscar movies last year. Yeah, uh, you know, not in twenty, but in nineteen, we did. They've that. been really so good to us. We yeah. went to a bunch of them. That's where the guys talked through Bad Boys. All right, and having you know said what? that, I liked Bad Boys. You liked Bad Boys more than I did. Yep. Yeah. Joel didn't care for it. Didn't care for Bad Boys. He, he, didn't, he didn't really come out and say it, but it sounds like he didn't like oh, it. Oh, no, he did not like I'm that. I, I, I know. <laughs> he went nuts I, I, about I, I, it, I know. <laughs> Don't get me going on soul. All right, let's get out of here, guys. Thank you again, Jason. Uh, check you. us out. April 14th, we're doing our showcase at Mark Ridley's uh, Comedy Castle. It's going to be a great time. So you guys can you, come out. Are you there? I am. Hey, Jason's in the class. He'll nice. be performing that night. Thank and you. Uh, you might even get a set from me that night, too. And, of oh, course, yeah. the next advanced comedy class, April 17th. Uh, Layla will be hosting that class. You're hosting that class? Mm-hmm. I did not and, know that. And also, thank you, Corey. <laughs> thank you, thank Corey. Thank you, Corey. You're here with us in Spirit Brother. We love you. God we bless. God bless. Movie Mania. Uh, Jason did a great job, but it's thank not you. the same without Corey. Absolutely not. And uh, we will continue to remember him. Thank you again, Layla. We you're love, you. love you. Good Thanks. night, everybody. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you next time on Joel Radio. Go see some movies. <laughs> There's lots of good ones.